It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Happy sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind I'll fling a straw at you, dickhead. You know what you have to do. Ha! I feel like I'm giving a '90s vibe today. Anyway, I think everything's recording. If you have no audio, I, I've told you before, I no longer care. Um, am I giving it? I've got an oversized, um, like oxblood burgundy situation jacket on, um, bomber jacket, and I've got this, um cheetah print this is cheetah print in it cheetah print catsuit on um i love you know i love a catsuit you know i love a one piece i'm proud of where my locks have reached you know because now i've got like two mini pigtails i feel like i talked about my hair last week but i'm just so fascinated by it all anyway who are you listening to it's me kalechi the baby girl in the place to be and you are listening to sym Officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What, That's Right, Suck Your Mom. And, and like, you know, I'm kind of glad that this is coming to an end. Um, not kind of glad. I'm very glad that, that this podcast is coming to an end. Um, I don't say that in a mean way. I just say it because I'm so excited about what I plan to be doing next. You know, like in, initially it was like a seed and then now... As it's slowly germinating, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be sick. <laughs> it's going to be sick. <laughs> and there's no blood clot Ofcom that can regulate me. <laughs> but actually, I'm not going to be moving too wild um, on my website. I won't. I just want a gentler place. I want a more gentle space to express myself um, and to really share. Because sometimes I talk about some things in code, especially as it comes to plant medicine. Um, on these mainstream platforms because there are so many idiots that will just pass by what you're saying. So many like nasty hearted people that will just pass by, pick and choose what they want to hear. And I'm just like, no, I'm not here for it. At least this way, (laughs) when you have to pay to be a member on my site, I can trace every blood clot thing. So if you decide that there is where you want to be mad, I will flog you behind the paywall. And and what can anybody do? I want a refund. Suck your mum. Because the, the sucking of the mother will also follow us behind that paywall. We will climb that paywall together and you, and straws will follow us. We will fling straws over the wall. Over the wall. Over the wall. Fling your straws over the wall. <laughs> um, but no, I'm glad to be here. You know, I feel rested in my spirit. My skin's glowing because nobody is troubling me. I refuse. Even um, editors, this, that, and the other, deadlines, nah, nah. There comes a point. You know, my baby girl, Agnes, she was saying something the other day. um, And she was really putting some things in in order. Like there are some things that we buy into in society that it's just actually ridiculous. Um, she was talking briefly about savings and savings and mortgages and this. And 
her perspective, I was just like, you're actually right because what the fuck are we doing? Like, what are we doing? So it was just really interesting anyway, is what I'm saying. Um, what have I been up to? Well, as you can see, I'm, and I don't, well, I can't say as you can hear because I don't think you can hear it. But as you can see, I am back from Nigeria. It was really something. It was really something. Um, I was watching the YouTube version of the show, uh, while the one that I filmed in Nigeria. I was watching it on the TV um, with Lev sat next to me. And he said to me, mommy, why are you so angry? And initially I was going to go, you know, I was going to, you know, automatically respond because I hear it so often. I was going to automatically respond and be like, mommy's not angry. I'm, I'm just, and I was like, no, actually, mommy is angry because there were many, many people, many, many, many people. No, there were just many people and many factors that were frustrating mommy. And mommy was expressing this to the people that choose to listen to the show. And then I thought about it and I was just like, you know what, this is why I'm glad I'm removing myself from certain situations. Because James Baldwin said that to be conscious in this society is to be in rage almost all of the time. And I don't want to live in a space of rage because of collectively people who have not met themselves, refuse to meet themselves. And a society that is ill because of this inability for individuals as well as collectives to meet themselves, right? So, yeah, I feel like that's what I'm saying. I'm just happy to bid adieu to all of this. And also, I mean, I will still have to be, I still have to deal with the tech aspect of this, um, I was going to say, because for the past couple of weeks, I would say I've had this really annoying problem where I can hear like a behind, like on, you know, almost like a bed for the audio. And it's really irritated me. I feel like uh, Brent managed to get it out of the audio, but I could hear it in the YouTube version. And I knew that it was something to do with the wires because I'd been using one wire for a really long time. So I went and opened up my box, lol, opened up the box and got out um, one of my other wires and replaced it. And I don't think the whirring sound is there anymore. I mean, currently I'm not wearing my headphones because I refuse. Um, I'm just not. The wire isn't long enough on my headphones. And one could be like, can actually buy another pair of headphones. I don't want to. I don't want to. If somebody wants to gift me headphones that are suitable for my roadcaster um, sort of desk that I use to do all of this stuff, go right ahead. But I feel like the wire for the headphones has to be like two meters long or something. But no, I'm not doing it. It looks like it's recording because I'm looking across the way and I can see the green thing is going up and down, bouncing up and down, up and down. I'm looking at the screen, my monitor. It looks like it's moving there as well. Like, so it is what it is. But I listened out for the whirring and it seems like it's gone. So if anybody wants to give me an award as a woman in STEM, as a woman in tech, go right ahead. Because I have solved my own problems. Wow. Rate me. But... You know, I I was looking at people's Spotify wrapped. Well, I was being sent Spotify wrapped updates and stuff. And I don't know, it made me a bit sad because I was just like, I don't know. It just, I don't feel, I feel like I've progressed 
as a person from being on a podcast. But I just don't feel like in terms of metrics, I've really done much. It was just like, yeah, okay, cool, sure. Um, but I also understand that I've just got to like let things be what they have to be and um where what I'm going to do next just feels more attuned to where I'm at. Um I'm looking forward to like making announcements of what the show's called and I've got some fantastic photos. Um so I'm revamping the site because also I do that for myself. I do the collection of cough website. Well, I just like did up the collection of cough website for myself and I um, did my website for myself, which is why I can't for the life of me move that freaking newsletter. You know, the thing you might not know if you've never been on my website, but if you go on my website, kelechiokafo.com, when you get onto the homepage, I think it mainly happens on when you're in a web browser but basically there's that subscribe um not subscribe yeah subscribe to the newsletter box that's over my face and I go into the like settings things to try and make the box smaller and I just can't do it but I'm saying I can't do it but it's because I've probably not sat down to do it properly so yeah I just do a lot of things a lot of things for myself and I need to not But saying that I feel like I'm getting better at asking for help I'm just realising that sometimes The thing with asking for help Is you also have to ask the right people Because people have offered their help Like I'll come to your office And I'll help you like sort out your audio Sort out this So you have everything in place But then at the same time People are busy chasing gal across the Atlantic So um, you know I'm here But I will get it sorted during the Christmas break. I will be in this office and I'll re like, I'll just rearrange everything. I'm happy with my setup camera and my um, audio wise to a certain degree, but I know it can be better. So I'm going to use the Christmas break to sort some of that out. Um, I'm going to use the Christmas break to try to rest. You know, I say, I don't like that word try because it's either you're doing or not doing. So that already tells you how I feel about the the, the, the reality of whether I actually rest. Christmas Day, I want to cook a, a banging meal. Like I want to make a banging Christmas dinner. Um, so I'm getting some ideas ready. I don't I don't feel like I want to go down the turkey route. I don't. I don't. But we'll see. I'll make a variety of things. Um, but so we'll see how that goes. But where was I saying all of this? I was just giving you a general update, I guess. Friday, my God, Friday was my busiest day. But before we even get into Friday, what I will say is that on Thursday, I had a meeting with um, my the publishers who are publishing my picture book, uh, the children's book, Strong Like Me. And so I met up with uh, Chloe, who is the publicist that's working on Strong Like Me. She's a baby girl, absolute baby girl, like... I've known of Chloe for a while because she worked on Dakwa Adeola and Nathan Bryan's uh, Look Up, Speak Up, Clean Up. She worked across that and she's been really, really great. So when I knew that she was the uh, publicist I'd been paired with at Puffin, I was very, very excited because I know that she is on job. Like even the fact that she was just like, can we meet? for a, a coffee or a tea, just you and me, so I can get an idea of what you're thinking, how we can make this happen. That Just that sense of how proactive she's already being, I feel like I'm in safe hands, you know? 
So I'm really, really excited to be working with Chloe. Anyway, when Chloe arrived, she arrived with something that really made me emotional. And now I'm going to share it with you. You that All you that are listening on audio, you can't see it, but go with me. I got to see for the first time a copy of Strong Like Me. My book! Look at my book! Oh my God! Man Like Kelechi has a picture book out 1st of Feb. 1st of Feb is my mum's birthday, actually. Isn't it funny? Anybody who has an Aquarius mother will know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, comes out 1st of Feb, my mum's birthday, and um, in time for all of the things for International Women's Day and all of those things there. But look at that. Kelechi Okafor and Michaela Diaz-Hayes. Michaela, I keep saying Michaela, it's Michaela actually, it's Michaela D.S. Hayes and we've got a book, Strong Like Me and the character as you know is Kamara and it just made me mad emotional because I I just had this idea, I was just like I want to write a picture book and it's going to look at the different ways that we can show strength and it wants and I wanted to encourage little girls especially little black girls to not be scared of being physically strong um because it's downplayed and usually um people talk about you know when I think about people like Serena Williams they're made to sound like less of a girl less of a woman because they have like really they have a lot of physical strength and I remember when I was growing up how people would make uh, fun of me for being like strong and fast and having um you know rather athletic uh, physique and I'd I know that around age 15 so many young girls drop out of sports and I just don't want them to I don't want them to I I want them to keep doing what they you know what they do and that's why I love seeing so many like women at the gym you know lifting doing their thing especially the ones who lift and they're not lifting for aesthetics like there's some that are obsessed with yash so all they're doing is building yash but my favorite people to watch online and women specifically black women are the ones who are training because they just love training like they're getting strong as fuck like the way that your body looks after the fact that's like a byproduct of it like that's a side effect of it but I just love the ones that are doing sick things. And it's because you can genuinely tell that they love training. And I just want to encourage more um, young girls to not give up on that. Um, It's just beautiful. I can't wait for you to see the letter that I've written on the inside of it. You can't read it from here, but you get to see a picture of me inside. Um, And I named her Kamara. This is why it made me emotional. Because well, I, when I... Oh, Anyway, let's get into it. Before I even get into that and say what I wanted to say, I'm going to hold on to it for a little bit. What I wanted to say was this episode is likely to have lots of or quite a few heavy subjects. So if you're having a day where you're just like, oh, I don't know if I've got the capacity, I would say maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. Okay. Because there are quite a few things that I mean, I don't think it's heavy, heavy in that way, but it might just be a bit triggering and it might anger, it might anger you in some parts. So I'm just letting you know, but I'm hoping that we could just have a discussion about certain things. And I have to give you a heads up that one of the discussions is going to be about Beyonce. Okay. So I've said it. All right. So into this though. So I'm going to uh, put a trigger warning here. I'm going to say that trigger warning 
um, pregnancy loss. So when I was first pregnant, the first time I was pregnant before Lev, I thought I was going to have a girl. And I said to myself, if it's a girl, I'm going to name her Kamara Chizwaro Anyi, um, which means in Igbo, may God's grace be sufficient onto us or be um, may God's grace be sufficient for us. Um, because that's all I've ever wanted. Or, uh, you know, when I look back on life and I continue to look at, at life, I just want God's grace to be sufficient, not any of like the material things. Like you'll have a fancy car, but then next year that car's out of fashion, right? And then you're going to get a next car or you have a phone and then next year it's the next phone because Apple are going to make sure of that shit. Um, let God's grace be sufficient. Let God's mercy be sufficient for me. Anything else, like obviously we know I love a cute shoe and a cute bag, but outside of that, like that, that can't be the center of my life. Do you get what I mean? The grace of God, that's it. Like to know that the, the universe rates me, I rate the universe, like that's that's cool. Comfortable. Do you get it? Knowing that I'm of service in one way or another, I'm cool. I'm Gucci. Not really, not Gucci, but you get what I mean. You get what I mean. So obviously then there was the whole pregnancy loss thing. And for a while I spent, I was in a space of like just being devastated and figuring out what life meant. I feel like that was one of my biggest lessons. I mean, I've had a lot of lessons. If you've been listening to this from the beginning, fucking hell, I've had a lot of lessons. Sometimes life just likes to throw me on the ropes and kick my fucking ass. Um, but here I am. I'm still here. <laughs> Anyway, um, it was devastating, but it made me grow up a lot, right? I, I had to grow up in um, internally, you know, I had to grow up in quite a major way. So when I had the idea to write Strong Like Me, I knew instantly that the girl's name was going to be Kamara, because even if Kamara is not here in the physical sense in that way, I want Kamara to be in the lives of all these children and adults as um, a badass, you know, that is, you know, figuring out her strength, being kind and um, showing up in the world. So that's the backstory on Kamara inside. I was because I was in two minds. I was going to say, um, you know, when um, the publisher said, who do you want to dedicate the book to? Because Michaela and I had to choose you know, each who we wanted to dedicate to. And initially I thought I was going to write, you know, dedicate it to my Kamara, but then I changed my mind and instead I dedicated it to Lev because the book is already a dedication to to Kamara, right? So, uh, you know, I also wanted to, um, you know, dedicate it to Lev. So Lev's name's in there. Like, I just love the fact that there is a little boy in this world that's going to grow up and he's just going to be like, my mum did that. My mum did that. That's like my mum did that. My mum did that. And I love that for him. I love that for him. So yeah, strong like me. I now have a physical copy. I hope it doesn't fall down. And the way I've placed it, Kamara is looking at edge of here. But you're too young to read it, so don't get any funny ideas, okay? Um but yeah. <laughs> Just stacking the books. Just stacking the books. <laughs> By 2025. <laughs> 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 Watch me Wait for me there By 2025 Wait for me <laughs> yeah. 
Wait for me. I've I have not yet arrived. When I arrive, Omo, you go know. Uno no go know. That means you doesn't know currently. They're going to know. <laughs> they're going to know eventually. Yeah. Uno no go know. Yeah. Um, but that's if we still have the Earth in 2025. So eh, let's not get gassed. Um, let's look at this. So what else did I want to tell you? So that was Thursday, Friday, Jesus, Jesus Christ of East Dulwich. Wow. Jesus of the Google calendars. Wow. I've never known a day like it. I was busy to bumba. Like, so first things first, I dropped Lev off at nursery. Then I had to get to the office because I needed to record a podcast interview um, with uh, somebody who you're going to hear um, in a few episodes time. So came over to the office to record that interview. Had to leave the office from like straight, leave the office, get into a cab and head over to Millbank um, to do um, a live show with Radio 4 where I was uh, on the Antisocial podcast. You can listen to it. It's on, I imagine it's on BBC Sounds. Antisocial by Adam Fleming. So they invited me on uh, to talk about Nella Rose. The person that would be, um, I guess, op- opposing my views is a black woman from the Equiano Project, Ada Akpali. Akapali is that her name? Akapala, Akapala, Ada, Ada Akapala. Anyway, we were talking about Nella Rose and whether the public's reaction to her is due to misogynoir. She was obviously going to argue no, as they like to do at the Don't Divide Us project and the Equiano project. There are I. How do you sleep? How do I sleep without you? I want to know. I want to know how you lot sleep. Without common sense How do you sleep without integrity How 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 This is how like You just know For certain people During slavery It was popping off For them They were having A great time They were having a great time Like They were the black people Living it up And they were justifying it To themselves That like Well They're gonna do this The Europeans are gonna do this anyway And What's wrong with them doing it really? These people were lazy and not doing much And they were criminals They were criminals anyway I don't know, it's just weird to me I can't imagine a life where I'm not on the side of black people Like I can't imagine it But okay, sure, whatever you want So um, Went to Millbank and, and, And I love that it's a full hour so it really gives time for the conversation to build. And and I think that might have been the first time that I was on a show for a full hour. In a sense that like, you know, sometimes they invite me to talk on these shows and it's like 10 minutes. So 10 minutes, your baby girl, I've got knowledge for days. Yeah. About specific subjects. I've got knowledge for days. So that hour, you can't try Like I'm good. I'm good for that hour. But you know who's not good? The people who are used to those 10-minute interviews and they're used to just doing soundbitey shit where they'll just say something and then you don't have enough time to interrogate how fucking stupid it is, what they've said is. Um, and so, you know, we really, really saw, we really, really saw all the fuckery rise to the top 
or sink, whichever one. You know, I don't know physics like that. But the point of the what the point I'm trying to make is, baby girl could not hack it. I could, your baby girl could, but that one over there, she was she was struggling. <laughs> she was struggling, and I love that show because I was worried. The moment you ask me to come onto something and defend something that I don't think needs defense. Um, needs defending because it's common sense I'm gonna get like I said I'm just gonna get a little bit worried like oh how is this gonna go um but they were good because we were using the term misogynoir they did an interview Adam Adam did an interview with um, Moya Dr Moya Bailey that was there um stats from um, a professor at one kind of university who was looking into discrimination within reality tv those stats were there also an interview with someone from the uh, nursing is it is it nursing and midwifery no someone in healthcare Shah. that one also stats up for days about the disproportionate um uh what is it the disproportionate uh, mortality rates of black women in comparison to white women all the stats but they had this one on as well so everything that i was saying was lining up with what all of the experts were saying and then after they'd have the uh, they'd play an expert um the interview that they'd done with an expert they'd go back to her and they'd be like so what do you have to say about what this expert who researches this has just said and she'd be like yeah well it would be disingenuous to say that racism and all of that doesn't exist I just don't think that that's what's happening in this case and you can use data to support anything girl 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 I can tell that you are talking shit and pretending that it makes it makes sense for you girl you don't have to keep lying you really don't you don't have to keep lying what you can mean you can take data and make it make and mean anything no because this expert literally researches discrimination in reality tv and has just provided with you with the data that says if you are black or if not even if you are black because there aren't there wasn't enough of a data set to be able to do that because so few black people get onto reality TV shows because of the racism. So you have to kind of amalgamate the basically non-white people. That's how you do it. You, you focus on non-white people. So it found that reality TV has a misogynoir, it has a misogyny problem as well as a racism problem. So if you put those two things together, what do you think you're going to get when a black woman goes on reality TV? So she gave one ridiculous example like oh you can meet you can make data mean anything for instance ice cream sales go up in the summer and knife crime goes up in the summer but it would be ridiculous to say that ice cream sales are what causes knife crime I said wow the kool-aid must be so sweet like juicy because what the fuck anyway you know I bodied it I bodied it and I did not move mad once. But of course we knew I wasn't going to move mad because I don't tend to do that when I'm on other people's shows. So I just also want to, again, stress at this point that that was a BBC Radio 4 show. It is the biggest, you know, it must be so hilarious to people who listen to this, how much I beef the BBC, yet I will be there readily talking about anything. <laughs> anyway, um, but I choose carefully. 
because I didn't choose carefully when I went on that pussy clarts woman's um woman's hour. Um pussy clarts hour. Um that that is a live show for one hour. One hour. They had me on there. Live. Live. And we were talking about misogynoir, a subject that I should actually while out on because somebody else is on the other end because she wasn't in the studio talking shit. But I was the picture of intelligence and cuteness. I just said what I needed to say. So they're having me do that. And then then you've got shows headed up by black people, black production companies, all of this, all of that. And they will actually be stressing themselves out, worrying about having me on live in case of what I might say. You are all agents of white supremacy, whether you want to realize that or not. Every time you say that about me, you are perpetuating misogynoir. You are. Because you have nothing to back it up with. Because your white counterparts, who really should be the ones having themselves in the tears, running around. You could argue that narcolepsy, that's not fair. Because our positions are so fragile that if we have you on and you say something, there is more of a quickness of us losing our roles than a white show who have you on, you say something wild, them losing their roles. I see that. But at the same time, you actually have nothing that you're basing what you're saying on. We might we might need to pre-record with her. Why? Have you watched everything else? Who else has pre-recorded with me? Huh? So it feels like I'm dragging this particular subject out, but I just want it noted. I really just want it noted that in real time, sometimes black people are my ops. That's all I wanted to say about that. So anyway, I finish at BBC Radio 4 after I've spun um, Little Miss Equiano Project. Um, Little Miss Racism Isn't Real. Um, and then I head off to, straight after finishing there, I, um, I had a studio booking in Soho like a recording studio booking with um, this producer. Funnily enough, also from the BBC. What would, am I the BBC poster girl? Am I like the, you know, like you have a bad boy, like a bad boy. Um, I wonder if I'm the BBC's bad girl where it's just like, yeah, we know she likes to just like while out and say she hates us, but she'll show up. I really want to know because sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> anyway, so I had to rush from Millbank after that, go straight to, and I made it just in time, get straight over to Soho because I wrote this audio play, like this audio ske- sketch sort of thing. Um, I was commissioned to write it. This producer at BBC reached out and he was and he's working on something. Again, a white man, because this is the thing. I need you to realize that sometimes you lot will make these very, very blanket statements, very general statements like white people this, white people that. I found that quite a few times white people have been the ones to go like, you want to do your thing, do your thing. Of course, there are systemic and institutional reasons as to why they can take that risk. But what I'm telling you is that they are willing to take it in a way that certain black people are not. So, and then you'll be talking about, oh, but why isn't she with a black man? What have you... I? I'm still waiting for you to provide me with a list of the black men you know who are not wild, who would be 
absolutely confident and supportive of how I got here and where I am in my career. I want that list. I want that list because until you have that list, don't tell me anything else. And I'm not saying this because I'm about to wheel out another white man. No, I'm saying this because I don't think you've break down what you're saying enough and you make it way too binary and not consider nuance. I want a list. Even don't give me a list. Name one man, one black man that you know of. One that would be like one straight black man. Sorry, I should point that out. Not even necessarily straight, but just a black man that like has relationships, goes out with women. Let's do that. Um, I want you to show me. Show me. Because from what I see, I see enemies of progress actually is what I see. And I noticed that there are certain people that I've now decided what well, I didn't decide. One of my friends who actually works. Anyway, um, one of my friends, he calls them BBC Blacks. There are a lot of BBC Blacks who have been at the BBC for a long time, whether they're still there or otherwise, and their mindset still remains BBC-esque in that the respectability politics has them by the throat. So anyway, back to this um, guy. Working on this project, um, comedy, and he said, you know what, I think that you should write some sketches for it. And so I was like, should I? Can I? And I was like, of course you can. You wrote a whole freaking book and you've written short, you've written short films, you've written like series, like things for series. Like, of course, I don't know. There was just something about it. And I was like, am I that girl? Can I? Let me tell you what I've written for this guy is so fucking funny. Again, I wasn't sure if I could do it. So I asked somebody for help. They didn't come through, like literally did not come through for me. I was like, oh, can you help me with this? Like, I really want, just, just didn't come through, didn't help. So I had to sit there and be like, okay, audio, you've made Sally. Don't worry about the fact that Sally also has visuals to go with her. What's funny about Sally is what Sally says and your comedic timing. Like you can absolutely do this. And then randomly it all came to me. And now it means that I can build on these, um, on this new world that I've created. I, I can't go into it too much, but just it's going to be out in January. Inshallah, it'll be out in January and I'll send you the link because that'll be before I lock off the podcast. And so I'll post about it. It is so fucking funny. And also I voice the characters. So, ah, it's perfect. I was, I went, recorded it, like banged it out. He had some notes, like we tweaked some jokes and it is sick. It is just so sick. And it makes me emotional thinking about it because I'm just like, I'm really out here, like living life on my terms, like life my God, has not been easy. I mean, you know, who has it been easy for? But it has not been easy. And especially in the past, what, two years? In the past two years, my God, I would say even from not the past two years, the past four years from being pregnant with Lev and and, and the pregnancy feeling so challenging off the back of a pregnancy loss, then, you know, writing a book and that like, it's just been relentless. And yet I keep going and I can't tell you 
how I actually keep going because some days I'm just like, no, nah, I, I don't actually think I'm strong enough to do this. I, I, I don't want to keep going. Like not even in a unalive myself way. No, I just, I just want to stop. Like I, I, why is so much being asked of me? Like I, I don't want to, but then I carry on and then I grow in that process. I am the most reluctant kind of growing person on the planet because I feel like people think I do these things and come by these lessons with grace. No, I, the, my spirit guides are dragging me kicking and screaming towards my own enlightenment and evolution. They are dragging me kicking and screaming because I would absolutely like when I call myself a dickhead in recovery, I mean that with all of my heart. Like I'm like (laughs) left to my own devices. I'm an actual, I'm a top, Tear dickhead But For some reason For some reason I feel like Whatever forces There are in this world But specifically God For some reason Believes that I can actually like Do shit Like I can I don't know why it's making me so like I can actually do something like I can actually be of significance I could be of help and it blows my mind because I'm just like oh you chose the absolute wildest card to do that with because I know I've got the propensity to move mad so if you boy if you like it I love it <laughs> if <laughs> There's there's no other way I could believe in the wisdom of God Were it not for the fact that God took a chance on me Because you have to be a really wise You have to be a really wise babe To, to see whatever might be at the end of this line At the end of the story Because right now How the story started whew, Wow It's a thing It's a, it's a thing So I I found that on Friday I was just so in my feelings because I was going from one thing sharing my opinions that I've garnered through extensive research throughout the years and a lot of trial and error as to how I came by that knowledge and being able to present it in the face of somebody else choosing to be a contrarian but deliver it respectfully deliver it with humor um jump straight in a taxi head to the next thing um where I'm recording a comedy like comedy sketches that I've been commissioned to write because people think that I'm funny enough to do that um and then heading from there to um a project with Black Ballad um to do that at Google um and then going from there to uh, Trafalgar Square the Waterstones in Trafalgar Square to sign copies of Edge of Here. They asked me to come through. They sent an email. They were like, oh, we're inviting authors to come through. We've got some mulled wine and mince pies and we just love for you to come through and sign copies of your book. And it just felt weird. You, you like, I couldn't have imagined this. And it was a massive lesson. It was like, I felt like spirit. I felt like my ancestors, everybody was just holding me in place for one second. They were like, Kelechi, take this in. In 2013, 14, 15, 16, 
you would not have envisaged that this is where your life would be because this is the path that you thought you were going to take. These were the small aspirations that you had for yourself. But you see how everywhere that it seemed like you were being rejected, we were fashioning you for something else. And look at where you are now. So you don't have to worry about what's going to happen in 2030, 40, 50, whatever. The, like, you don't have to worry about it because surely we've proven that whatever you give us as your idea will be magnified beyond your wildest dreams. And that's what I, I'm saying for all of us. I've been talking for ages, boy, before even getting into the body of the podcast. But I just felt like I needed to share this. Like, it even says, like, in the Bible, like, you don't know, like, the plans that God has for you. Like, you, we have our plans. And then when our plan doesn't go the way we want, we're like, oh, well, fuck it then. Fuck it. God's not even real. Piss off. But actually, I look at the topsy-turvy sort of Jeremy Beremy path that I've been taken on. And it's like, yeah, I would not have come up with this for me. Like the life I imagined was so basic. Like I was giving myself a basic bitch life and I got leveled up and I've, and I'm still leveling up. So even though there are still many, many challenges, many challenges that I'm currently navigating, that day felt like a day of respite. It felt like a day of being, of, of just being reminded that this too shall pass, but look how far you've come. Like you've got this. So even if, you know, for me, it was like one of those, I don't want to use the uh, military in, uh, industrial complex as an example, but go with me here. Cause I used to be an air cadet, right? It's like those obstacle courses. Cause we would go to competitions, my squadron, we'd go to competitions and stuff and compete as a team, as a squadron. And I would lead it because ow, I'm that girl. Um, and, you know, like you've got that wall to climb over and you've got to use teamwork to get over the wall. And then you've got to crawl on your stomach and then get, you know, under things and over things. And initially when you're training for it, you're absolutely shit. Like the average person is absolutely shit at that thing. And then do the, then they do the whole montage thing. Dun -dun 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 -dun. And then finally you're just bossing it. You're like scaling that freaking wall. You're underneath there. You're crawling. You're doing everything. Your marksmanship is on point. Not that we want to be shooting people, but you get what I mean? Like, gosh, those movies really sold us dreams and really made us buy into war. Bloody hell. But I say all of that to say that that's what it felt like. Like I've been trying to learn how to do these obstacle courses. And then sometimes I get one part of the obstacle course well, I get it right. But then there is another part that I'm struggling with and I'll keep having to train that until I can do that part and that part and that part until life just feels easier. I say that with a pinch of salt because <laughs> hashtag genocide everywhere. Um, so yeah, it was a very, very emotional day for me on Friday because I was processing all of these things and I was just filled with a deep, sense of gratitude that God didn't go, God didn't go with my plan. <laughs> no, just a deep sense of gratitude that, you know, I'm here, I'm here and I'm doing a variety of things and I get to be that multi-hyphenate and it all came from a sense of just like, I don't, 
know what I want to do, but I know that, or I felt like I knew what I want to do. My plan was very simple. I'm going to be a famous actress and I'll be like um, one of the first black women, because I'm going to say that very loosely, um, to win best actress in a lead role, win the Oscar for that. Um, I thought all of these things. And then, then I saw the Academy be wild to Will Smith and I saw the Academy support Roman Polanski and all of these predators and I started to see things for what they were basically I started to see that the things I aspired to were so flimsy and that I was meant for better I was meant for greater and those same skills that I have that I thought would get me the Oscar for best actress in a lead role I'm using those same skills to single-handedly host this podcast to go on the radio talk the things with charisma and make the videos that i've made throughout the years all of those things like just because you think sometimes we're taught that the skills that we have are for a particular career not realizing that those same skills that same skill set can be used elsewhere like they're transferable skills that's that's why i feel like i'm the embodiment of transferable skills yeah because all of those times that I thought, wow, I'm really good at throwing this object for sports. Now I can fling a straw. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Saturday therefore meant that I was in bed the whole day. I think I got out of bed on Saturday at 5 p.m. Lev was away for the weekend. I didn't get out of bed until 5 p.m. Um, didn't want to eat breakfast, didn't want to do anything. I was so exhausted because I was straight into work and everything from when I got back from Nigeria. And I was like dealing with other things as well that was just exhausting me. Like, oh, so Saturday was a duvet day, stayed in bed, didn't want to hear nothing, listen to nothing. I've realized just how little I watch or listen to things recently. I just sit in silence. Um, so that was good that I rested. And now here I am Sunday, able to have the energy to do this and to chat with you all. Although when I did get out of bed on Saturday, um, there's this thing that I have in my kitchen. Um, I'm noticing a lot of moisture, first of all, in my flat. Um, so my good sis Hodan recommended these like little dehumidifier packs that you can put, like these little um, boxes that you could put like on your windowsills and stuff that's meant to grab the moisture. Um, I actually do have a dehumidifier, but I think I've put it in storage. I don't know where it is, or it might literally be in my storage in my flat. So anyway, um, I've been noticing mold developing somewhere in the flat. And in my pajamas, I decided to get out the screwdriver and take away this box that I'd built just so I could have um, a, a ledge to put stuff on, deconstruct this box to get to the mold. And there was so much more mold underneath that MDF um, kind of casing that box And so I spent the evening like Cleaning that, clean, clearing that out um, clear, Like I was doing bits um, Changed out of my pyjamas And so I could take All the things outside, throw them away Whatever else I don't know why I suddenly had the energy at around 6pm That I was going to do this thing But I feel like there was a message in that or maybe I found the message in that in that the kind of person I am, if I can sense that there's mold, there's rot somewhere, I'm not going to stop until I get to it and I can clear it out within myself, within society. That is just what kind of calls to me. Where is the mold? Where is the rot? Let's get to it. Let's deal with it. Um, so, yeah, was doing all of that and then took it easy today. I've got um, actually email tarot readings to send out as well. Bloody hell. 
I've got to get that done. But I think I prefer recording audios for them. And that was another reason I was tired. I had to get like 40 something uh, month ahead tarot readings done for my patrons on Patreon. The people who are in the Straw Society tier. I managed to get everybody's done on time, get them sent out. But it did take a lot out of me. So... Yeah, but for though I I've said it on Patreon, and I'll remind the Patreon of uh, the patrons that don't check Patreon regularly. I'm looking for people to trial the members area of my new site from like January. So if you're up for that, do drop me an email at sym at kelechiocarpo.com. So um, I know I only need like about three people just to see how they navigate it um, and know that everything's fine before opening it up to everybody else. Um, from February uh, Wow that was a really long recap We're already on Jesus Christ Almost an hour fucking hell Sorry I was really really talking I was really talking um, I was even going to share so much more But I don't know if I should Or this will be a very very long episode But um, I think I'll save that for later Um yeah, I think I might save that for later. Let's go into tarot so we don't lose too much time. Um, you can tell I'm not in a rush to get anywhere today, right? But no, I actually want to um, go and get some baby chicken and roast some baby chicken and um, fry some plantain. Wait, there are no Jamaicans here. Plantain. I can say it how I want. Plantain. I have so many Caribbean friends that now I say it when, like that how they say it when they're around and they can't come and flog me here. Plantain. Yeah? Ha. Ah. Anyway, um, yeah, let's get into tarot. The tarot question I chose is from June. Sorry. It says, hi, Kelechi. Firstly, I would like to say I love you so much. I've listened to your podcast, I think, since I've uh, seen you being interviewed in your pole dance studio by a YouTuber I used to watch in 2017 or 2018 and have been hooked ever since. I'm a 28-year-old baby girl who doesn't know who she is and is just stuck in life. Ever since I was a child, I felt like people never listened to me because I have a speech impediment and always thought they knew better than me. For example, at five, my mum giving me a relaxer I didn't want and didn't listen to me when I told her that it was burning and to wash it out. My hair got so burnt that it fell out in chunks and had to shave it all off. I think that because I was born very premature and nearly died at birth, my parents have felt they needed to constantly shelter and protect me while my siblings got to do whatever they wanted to do. And that has continued throughout my life, even with picking subjects in school, friends and picking my studies in university. I was never allowed to leave the house unless it was for school or appointments, which means I wasn't allowed to go out and be a teenager and hang out with people my age outside of school, which has led me to being very sheltered. When I finally thought I was going to experience freedom and gain independence when I go to uni, I was told to pick local schools that were in my town, thus shutting down my dreams of independence again. People have always told me who I am and I believe them and now I'm at this age and I hate my life. I've lived my life for everyone and not myself and I don't know who I am. I've been raised to be a people pleaser, to go to the to be the go-to person to pick up the slack, to be the good girl, being good for everyone else and making everyone else happy but themselves um, and I'm so tired of it. Being unemployed and having no friends has made me reflect on my life and made me realize I've been wearing the mask for so long that I'm afraid I've become the mask and I don't know who I am anymore. And that scares me. I feel dead inside. Oh, baby. 
I'm currently going through my Saturn return. So my question is, how do I find who I am? How do I find my light again? Thank you for reading my letter. I wish many blessings to you and your family. Thank you for being the personification of hope and authenticity. May God and the ancestors bless you better than what your heart desires and fulfill your wildest dreams. Amen. Thank you for all that you do. You're amazing. You are such a light to all of us listeners. I'm an Aries sun, bop, bop, cancer moon and rising. I'm a generator with sacral authority in human design. Not you wanting to be me. Wow. I love that. I want to know where Saturn is for you because that's what I'm interested in. So um, before I launch into the things that I want to say, I just wanted to see that. So that's your ninth house, ninth house, Saturn in the ninth house with Venus. First of all, I just wanted to say that um, you may not feel like you know who you are, but it's you who wrote this email. Go with me here. You feel that you've been wearing a mask for so long that you've become the mask, but it wasn't the mask that wrote this letter. It was you. It was the essence of you that wrote this email. So it's good to remember that. Saturn in the ninth house. Why Saturn in the ninth house is important is because I too have Saturn in the ninth house for me. Hold on. Yeah. Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. I too have Saturn in the ninth house for me. And it takes a while. I think for us, it's after our Saturn return that we start to have a clearer idea of not necessarily who we are, but who we are not. And that's what I sense for you as well, that with Venus there as well, with um, Saturn there, if possible, after 30, see if you can plan a trip to go like travel somewhere like travel somewhere um because there's something about your learning coming from foreign lands and even if the money is not there like that looking at other people from other countries make friends in the first instance with people from other countries the the art of having a pen pal has been so lost recently i i hand wrote a letter to somebody like i i wrote it by hand because i felt like that was more sacred than like typing out a text or an email or whatever. Like I, I wrote the letter out and it was so cathartic because I tend to journal anyway. Um, or it, sometimes when I'm channeling messages, I have a book for channeling messages in. And again, that's written by hand. So I would encourage you to get a pen pal. And I feel like sometimes that's easier than, for instance, making friends in physically, like going to places. And also now it's cold as well. So people aren't really going out like that. So look at people that you admire online, smaller accounts, maybe on TikTok or whatever the case may be, who are speaking about things that excite you. Because remember that you've got a sacral authority similar to me or the same as I do. We've got sacral authority, which means that how we know that something is right for us is that around our lower belly slash groin, our sacral area, we feel like a zig, a zang, a cha-chum, like zing, like a roar or like a roar inside. Like that's how we know that something is for us. If we feel nothing, then nah, -uh, leave that thing alone. 
right? So look for the people who excite you online. I say smaller accounts because sometimes maybe your messages can get lost with larger accounts. So smaller accounts that are saying things that speak to you, that interest you um, and start like interacting with them and building it because I feel like with my Saturn in the ninth house as well, that is also how I came to where I am. I built a following on social media. I built a following on the internet. I built my, my, the, my first proper, proper supporters were people in a foreign land. Yeah. It, you know, when it came to opening the pole dance studio, it was black American women that were like, girl, you don't need to take that shit, you know? And then they told me, why don't you open your own space? Why don't you open your own studio? And then I went and opened my own studio. Yeah. So there's something about when we have that Saturn in the ninth house, how other people sometimes see us more clearly than the people who are closer to home. So um, I would encourage that in terms of making friends. Um, and why that's also good is because you get to try out your personality. You get to try out who you are becoming because sometimes when people are closer to home, and I remember that when my platform and all of these things were building, there were people from secondary school who would be like, oh, Kelechi. Oh, Kelechi. Yeah, Kelechi, prick. But, you know, like, they wanted to, Im like, impede or, um, um, on, upon how I was growing and how it was so different to who they were or how they thought I, I was. So I, um, it was having the space to communicate with people beyond Peckham that allowed me to be where I am now. So I would um, encourage you, to do similar um with that sun in aries that's why we gel i'm an aries rising you're an aries sun gang gang um you've also got mercury in aries so you do have that fire in a 10th house the career will be one that you'll be passionate about so i don't really worry um i don't really worry about that midheaven in the 11th yeah you you'll end up making like lots of friends you I think that all of that will happen cancer moon cancer rising um Mars and Leo in the second house yeah I I have a feeling that around 33 you'll probably be known for something and it's a talent that you go on to later discover you know like you you discover from you know once Saturn finishes in Pisces it's something that you go on to discover so um, I, I, I'm, I don't really worry for you in that way. North Node is currently in Aries, though. The North Node is in Aries with the South Node in um, Libra. I'm just looking at this so it matches up. With the South Node in Libra, the Lib um, Libra is your fourth house. Um, North Node in Aries um, is going to, you know, crossing your sun, crossing Mercury. Your 10th house means that I feel like over the next 18 months, you will end up getting some kind of job that you enjoy but the joy of the job you have to feel really passionate about like you have to feel like you, it sounds weird but the job has to turn you on like that's how I look at things these days does this turn me on do I want to eat this does it turn me on no all right don't want to eat it then like do I want to chat to this person does it turn me on and I'm not even talking about necessarily in a romantic way just friends gen generally no don't want to okay speak to them later like just going with exactly how you feel down there use that to propel you forward so a lot of change is happening for you and that north node um crossing over your sun in aries is 
going, I feel like it is helping you to start thinking about who you are because you sent this message around June when, um, yeah, you sent this message around June when we were having that change, when um, the nodes were changing and the North node was going into Aries. Like that's when it started, this idea of who am I? Because I've been wearing a mask. And the thing about an Aries sun is like, you have to be exactly who you are, exactly who you are. It's your superpower and say exactly what you think. But that doesn't come easily because with your fourth house being Libra and the South Node being there, there is this idea of like people um, or the South Node currently transiting there. Like there is this idea that for you to be who you are, it's going to be diametrically opposed to who your family want you to be. And then you've got to choose. Are you living for yourself or are you living for your family? Because they already, everybody has their own life. It's only you that's put your life on hold so you could be everything to them. And how is that fair for you? So I'm really glad that you sent me your chart. I'm just going to look at the tarot cards and see if there are any extra um, messages. For you, in fact, I actually brought out my Black Angel cards because something about when I skim read your email initially, when I was trying to pick um, an email to do, made me think that let's at least get from the Black Angel cards extra messages for, for you. I rarely use the deck, but I just thought it would be beneficial. So we'll look at that in a second. Judgment card comes out in reverse. Judgment card comes out in reverse. So I think that the judgment card coming out in reverse also speaks to the fact that um, the Aries North... Um, We've got um, the North Node currently in Aries. For those for those who don't know what the nodes are, the nodes aren't actual um, points. Like they're not physical points in the sky. They're more of a mathematical point worked out from the journey that the sun, um, sorry, that the moon is making along the elliptical, that the path that the sun follows. So where the light shines, North Node, and where the shadow is, the south, uh, the south Node. Um, judgment card like I said we've got here and here we see is it Mart who is weighing the heart and the feather and this is why I said to you it came out in reverse because for you it's about um what will help in this situation is thinking about the fact that and you've got all ones I love this for you you've got all ones that came out here apart from judgment when if you were to kind of leave this earthly plane tomorrow could you say that you've used every part of your heart to live life from what you've written in your email? Probably not. So it's about Mart. Is it Mart? Um, for those who don't know, um, um, it's in Egyptian mythology or uh, yeah, I'd say Egyptian mythology or in, in Egyptian law, it's believed that when you go into the afterlife, your heart is weighed against the feather to see how well you've lived life and what you want is for your heart to be equal to the feather, I believe. So bearing that in mind, we've got the king of wands here in reverse and you're a fire sign because you're an Aries sun, right? And then we've got the page of wands in reverse here, another fire and the ace of wands in reverse. So I feel like what this is telling us is that you are about to begin on a path of self-discovery and where you are is where I feel like I was years ago, where 
one day I just thought, what the hell am I doing? It feels so unhappy to be inside me to like to, to, and I just thought, who is the me then that feels unhappy to be inside me? And then the, this whole journey, you know, picked up a notch. And I feel like that's where you are. You might see this as the lowest point um, for you of, of your life. But I think that this is one of the greatest gifts that you've been given to be in this moment and to be like, fucking hell, what am I doing? I feel dead inside, but you're not dead inside because clearly that your soul is like, hey, we deserve better than this. And then boom, you're sparked alive. Here we've got here, am I beautiful? From the Dickhead and Recovery Affirmation card deck, we've got, am I beautiful or am I blessed? Trick question, I am both. And that's a reminder to you, if you don't have this affirmation card deck, please send me a message as in you, that the person that wrote in and I'll gift it to you. I'll send it to you for Christmas because I want you to have these affirmations to remind yourself that on the path of, you know, discovering the expanse of who you are, I pray that these messages kind of help you along the way. So I'll send you a deck of the affirmation cards if you want them. Let's see what we've got from the Wisdom of the Oracle Tarot deck before we get into the Black Angel cards. And, you know, at 28, you're fe you're feeling like, oh, I don't know who I am. Have I become my mask? There are people who are twice your age, who are roughly twice your age, who have not sat down to wonder if they've become their mask. They're not doing the introspection that you are doing. So for that reason, I commend you. I congratulate you. I feel like welcome because this is where it's at. I promise you this is where it's at. Anybody who's like, oh, I've got, a, I know exactly who I am. I know this, I know that. And they think that they've got it sorted. I usually worry for those people because I'm like, watch how life is going to roundhouse kick your clot. Like in a little while, if it, if it deems you worthy, which I hope it does, you're going to find that you're going to be reminded all the time that this is a journey. We've got the observer card here in, in reverse number 49 from the wisdom of the Oracle deck. And number 49 says, let's see. Most people see the world through a personal lens. They closely identify with their feelings and experiences so much so that they uh, come to believe that these are the only reality. There are times when you need distance in order to gain perspective and understand your circumstances from a more neutral vantage point. Now is one of those times in your life. This is a perfect moment for you to begin to do some exploring. Instead of only considering yourself, consider what you need to understand about the conditions, people, culture and environment you're engaged with now. You'll be so happy you did. Illumination is the miracle you seek and will indeed find. I love that for you. Um, I love that for you, especially that line. You'll be so happy you did. Illumination is the miracle you seek and will indeed find. You're going to find you, whatever you deem you to be, you're going to find you. But this is just the beginning of that amazing, amazing journey. And although that day on the bus when I was just like, what? Like it is so unhappy to be inside me. It felt sad and devastating at the time, but it's the best thing to have ever happened to me because then I had to go on a path of like um, self-reflection. And, you know, that's when I took myself to therapy and was in therapy for a number of years. And then I was just like, oh, I'm good. Like not in terms of I'm good and I'm fine. Everything is sorted. No, I knew, I knew that I'd gained enough tools from that specific modality that I could go out and get, you know, get stuck into the world. Let's see some charms. I'm so glad. I've got my charms, as I told you I would do. I've got my charms now in my Kintsugi bowl. 
that I made um, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, so I'm now using that to pick out charms for you. Let's see what we've got here. Oh, okay. So we've got the initials R and C. We've got this dummy here. And then we've got a cat looking out of the window, almost like it's making a wish. And we've got this um, heart that's got a teddy bear right in the middle of it. See that. Um, and yeah, we've got a dummy, aka pacifier, for those of you who that's what you call it. And we've got a crown here as well. And I love this because it's so encouraging. For you, it's about going back to reclaim your inner child. Why did I put that away? It's going back to reclaim your inner child. Doing the thing. I even when I was reading your a message, reading your email, I thought, go and be a bad girl for a bit. Go and be a bad girl. How do how does one be begin that? I don't mean go and like start a hotation or anything like that. Um, but you can if you want to. No, I'm saying that do things knowing full well that your parents are gonna disagree and they're gonna disapprove. Do it. Do it. Do it. Because sometimes shake the table. Parents are own all parents are are people who gave birth to you and they've lived a few years, probably like 25, 30 years more than you have, 18 years, I don't know, more than you have. That's all they are. And I'm saying that as somebody who is a parent, I, I'll be damned if I'm telling Lev exactly how I want him to live his life blow by blow. And I don't feel like they were doing it to you from a place of malice. Of course, like you say as well, like they were just very, very cautious about you because yeah, they were very, very cautious about um for you because you the conditions around your birth. But like you can't stay wrapped in cotton wool. Like you have to live life. And it might come with a few bumps and scrapes, but that's life. So um the card that comes out for you is the Sun Daughter from the um Black Angel deck of cards by Zenju Earthling Manuel. I know that she's or um stopped making this. So if you can't find it, I'm so sorry for you. Hopefully maybe somebody will be reselling theirs and you can buy that. I won't be reselling mine. So that's not going to happen. Um, but let's see what she says about the son daughter for you. I like that it's in alphabetical order. The son daughter. So uh, here we go. It says here, you are glowing with your love. Walking path, a waking path, radiance. Sleeping path, buried love. Son, daughter, if you had not come into being, the world would have never truly experienced unconditional love. On your waking path, you love and are loved no matter what. People are envious because you receive and give love so easily and abundantly. Your natural warmth and companionship are so genuine, people can hardly ignore you. You are youthful, but by no means young. You know too much to be young. You are everyone's favorite daughter. If you were homeless, it would not last long because someone would be attracted to your radiance and take you in. You show people how to give love without expectation and such action is often imitated. Um, your waking path is glowing with sunlight. On a sleeping path though, son daughter, you are abused by others who take your love for granted. Since you do not expect anything in return, those who do not give will find you ripe for the taking. This has, caused, uh, this has caused much turmoil in your life. You develop relationships easily, but soon find yourself on a one-way street. People are crazy about you, but you are not always crazy about them. You wonder, how in the world did I let this person into my life? Oh, drag me. Remember, son, daughter, 
unconditional love does not equal love under any condition. I know that so I've used this card before and um, or I've re- picked this card before and it's resonated with so many of you. So I'll read that again. Remember, son, daughter, unconditional love does not equal love under any condition. You cannot feel love under any condition. If someone is abusing you, it is not love. It is pain. If the love is being controlled and directed, it is not unconditional. Unconditional love can only be felt between those who can be vulnerable, unveiled, imperfect and undefensive in their loving. Those who are those are not conditions. They are qualities that support love. With those qualities, love can be unlimited. The son daughter's open and warm energy can feel exposing and unprotected in a world where we feel strength is our greatest asset. As a result, our son daughter energy is rarely seen openly in those who have experienced oppression, violence, war or any trauma. We do not walk well in the world feeling unprotected. Instead, we bury this unlimited love deep inside us. In this way, we can avoid the disappointments we had as small children when our love was not returned. We become soul sleepers when we bury our loving nature. A buried love brings lots of misery. So sharpen your ability to detect people seeking love they can control. There is no need to let the ones you love rule your life. Wheel up the bomber clot. Baby girl, did you hear that? There is no need to let the ones you love rule your life. Your care and warmth are only true when they come from a natural desire to give such. Listen to your heart and trust that when the pain or trouble shows up in a relationship, it is time to pay attention. Son daughters are to be cherished. Indeed, we are. Baby girl, I hope that tells you what you need to know. Love doesn't hurt. And you need to remember this on this journey when your parents want to kick off because you're like, deuces, I'm going traveling or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Or, you know, they're going to, because of how much they want to protect you and have gotten used to that being their excuse because of how their fear is played out, they're going to want to tell you how to do things. And you need to remember that love does not hurt. Yeah. If it hurts, it's likely not love. It's something else. And more time it's fear and fear and love. They, they can't really coexist like that. They can't. So you, you are not dead inside because it's your life. It's your soul. It's your life force that wrote this email. You haven't become the mask because you behind the mask wrote this email. So I'm saying all of this to speak life back into you and to remind you that you haven't, not all, like not all is lost. You haven't lost you. Your light is absolutely still there. It's when we talk about finding our light, you, you don't have to find the light so much as be it. You are already light. This is why the children's home, I named it child of light. You are already light because the source that created us is light is light is love that's what when you say love and light that's what you mean like you are all you are created in the image of source like we are created in the image of god so you are exactly that you don't have to find that which you already are but it's the acceptance sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is to accept 
our greatness, to to accept our divinity, to accept our light, to accept that we are love. And that also comes with boundaries, you know, and that's why I love that it says that unconditional love isn't just about love under any condition, that people can move anyhow and have nasty manners and behavior and think that that still entitles them to your love because they've been told that love is unconditional. No, that's not how it works. Like the love being unconditional is talking about the extenuating circumstances that life can throw at us sometimes and still choosing to be in unity with each other collectively um, whatever the case may be that is what we're talking about with the unconditional love not that you can move mad and then still feel entitled to people's love it's the entitlement aspect of it and a lot of people sadly do not know love. And this is what Bell Hooks was talking about in All About Love. Because if when the moment you say to people, love isn't supposed to hurt, love doesn't hurt, it throws them. It fucking throws them because then that means that they have to start replaying their entire life and realizing that those who they ascribed the term love to, like parents and things like that, who hit them, who talked down to them, all of that stuff, they have to realize that that wasn't love. That wasn't loving. That wasn't loving behavior to hit your childhood. That's not loving behavior. Oh, my dad loved me, but he just, no, he, your dad didn't. And that can be very, very hard to hear. My mom loved me, but she was rare. No, that's not love. That could have been other things, but that's not love. So therefore, a lot of us, are looking for a love that we have not yet seen. And that is the challenge. So then that requires you to go back to source. It requires you to go back to the word. And for all of the misinterpretations that some of you little fuckers like to do with the Bible, one of my favorites is when we go to 1 Corinthians and it talks about what love is. Like that. You can, you can use that as a model, but that's not what a lot of people are doing. And so you take this back to your parents, that on the basis of what love is, love requires, love is nothing without freedom. So if you love me as parents, you have to allow for me to be free. Like, let me go off and do my own thing. And that comes down to you as well. Baby girl, if you love yourself and are learning to love yourself, then you have to allow yourself freedom. You have to allow yourself to be free. And I love that I've been a part of your journey thus far. I'm honored that you would write and you'd share this with me. And I feel like with all the things that I've experienced that I can share with you that you're you're absolutely you're absolutely not some kind of lost cause that you are destined for greatness like you are greatness like just by I felt it from just reading your email then I scroll down and I saw your birth chart and I'm like nah this is a don this is an absolute don and this is just the beginning of an incredible journey and you know the thing is with Aries placements there're going to be some bumps and scrapes but you're more than sturdy enough to handle it because you've got that Saturn. You've got that Saturn in the ninth house. You'll be all right. You'll be absolutely all right. 
So do let me know if you want me to send you the Dickhead and Recovery Affirmation cards and I'll get that sent out to you. Um, but very, very glad to have read for you. Um, anybody who wants to get some email, one question, one question answered via email, although I might send it as um, an audio recording. Send your letter to or send your question. Uh, go to uh, kalechiokafo.com forward slash shop and then you can purchase the one question reading there and I'll email you back likely with an audio file that has your reading there for you to be able to listen to. Um, I was like writing it out, but I feel like it has more Jenny Sanquan if I just send it to you as an audio. So I'll be doing that. Um, I don't have any one-to-one tarot slots, um, slots open uh, currently, but I feel like I'll be releasing gift cards for people to get um, tarot readings for loved ones or for themselves. Uh, I'll be releasing that uh, uh, in the next week or so. So you can buy um, gift cards for a 45 minute one-to-one tarot reading that will be done at some point in early 2024. We can work out a a mutually convenient day with um, my PA and we'll get you booked in for that. Do not buy these gift cards or these readings for people who you know are already tussling with the idea of the esoteric or metaphysical. I'm not there to convince them. I will cast them out. I'll cast you out. Don't do it. If somebody's curious, absolutely get it for them. If they're enthusiastic, absolutely get it for them. But if they're doing up, oh, I just, don't you dare. Don't you dare because I will send out a double cussing. Let's not. Okay. So that's that for the tarot. That really, really touched me, especially what it said about son, daughter and like love, uh, unconditional love doesn't mean love under any condition. Recently, somebody suggested to me that I look into an organization called the Landmark Forum. I'm saying this because I feel like at a time where black people are really, really struggling with um, who they are, and what they believe. Um, Some people feel like they want to, for instance, leave the church, but they don't know where to go. And they're like, oh, tarot is the worst. Don't want to go there. Um, All of these things. And tarot is not even a religion. It's not anything. It's just a a tool of divination. It's just, it, it is what it is, you know. But I started looking into the Landmark Forum because when interacting with um, people who have done this, um, who have been on this course, I've noticed the way that they speak, especially around challenging, difficult um, conversations or subjects and how it sounds like and reads like I'm speaking to AI. Remember how I clocked the eternal tarot? Remember how I clocked that she was a fraud? What time are we on now? Oh God, wow. Remember how I clocked? This is going to probably be a two hour episode. No, even more, two and a half hours. I'm so sorry. Um, Remember how I clocked that the eternal tarot was a fraud? when I sent her um, a question and then she basically was um, taking bits from the internet and just copying and pasting it as her response. She's changed her website since because I've let everybody know that she's a liar and a thief. But um, it's the same way that my spidey senses go off and I'm just like, no, 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 no. Something is really, really wrong here. And across the board, I'm seeing that black people are looking for answers. Recently, a guy I know, he reached out and he was like, oh, um, Kelechi, what do you think about me converting to Islam? I was like, 
why why does my view matter he was like oh well i just want to know because maybe you'll take me more seriously and you'll be interested move, move around move away what uh-uh uh-uh sends me videos a video of him you know talking speaking with an imam and i'm like i how do i express i don't care like why are you sending me things and also, this is somebody who has posted videos from Andrew Tate before. So suddenly, Andrew Tate decides to convert to Islam. Then you are now somebody who swears up and down that, oh, I don't know. I, it's not like I, you know, agree with everything that he says. There's just sometimes he makes some points. What points? What points has Andrew Tate made? What points? To me, that was a major like red flag. I was like, ah, 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 but consistently messaging me all the time, messaging, messaging, random things. Oh, have you read this book? Um, how you how to change your what's it the twelve week year or like you know them forty eight laws of power power kind of guys um. The queen, hey queen, that that sort of. I was like, um, no, no, you know. So when I saw that message, it really made me kind of like raw. Like this is not just isolated to hear that there are lots of people who are doing this. Like they're searching for answers, but they're not interrogating. They're not interrogating misogyny, patriarchy, capitalism enough to consider where they are where they are thinking that they found the solution right and me i'll back out of anything there is no school of thought that can hold me picking our whole man again like like no there's oh there's oh there's homophobic lyrics after that anyway there isn't a school of thought that can hold me because me i'm always going to ask questions i'm going to always ask why and how i want to know I want to know. I I am scared of people who blindly, oh, that's ableist, who just without questioning, follow anything and everything that they've been told. This is why I get so frustrated with people who are within certain religious practices because they refuse to see, they've got tunnel vision. And it's like, how are you not considering everything outside of that? And so I feel like there are, um, I'll speak specifically to black men in this situation. There are quite a few black men between the ages of like, I'd say uh, mid thirties going into late fifties who are really, really trying to figure out where they fall in this whole thing that's happening. The feminist movement, you know, whichever wave we're on, especially the black feminist movement meant, means that a lot of men are now having to consider what their role is within certain dynamics. There are some who are really crafty and they're grifters and they've already started learning the language um, or they've learned enough of the language very quickly to then get themselves on news programs and daytime TV shows. And it sounds like they, they are learning things because they're using the terminology, but they actually know nothing and they're still perpetuating the same violent anti-black woman narratives in their personal lives. 
um, as normal. They just learn language to absolve themselves of what they're doing by going, oh, but me as a man as well, this is me practicing self-care. This is you practicing self-care by cheating on your wife. Like they, they just learn language. And because they might learn language or they might learn vocabulary before their um, partners or their exes or whatever the case may be, they learn this language before them. So this woman is being gaslit to high heavens, but because she hasn't bothered to engage with the womanist or black feminist um, movements or praxis, she doesn't have any tools. Why are my lips dry? She doesn't have any tools to counter what she's been told, even if intuitively she knows that this guy is chatting shit. She knows that, but because she doesn't have the language to 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 res- respond to counter, she's just having shit taken away from her, and then he's out there parading out to the world like you know he knows what he's doing. I'm and this is I'm talking about this from a distance. I don't. I've seen it play out in a few people's lives, and I'm when I see a a, a new guy that is um, out on our TV screens or really showing up at events and saying, "Oh, but black men, but black men, and black men and our mental health." Which black woman have you had to ruin in order for you to realize that this is where you need to be and this is the path that you need to be on? I said it before, but there, and I'm going to go into it when we get into so you so you mad. But there are people who learn revolutionary language, but they are not revolutionary people. They have no desire whatsoever to deconstruct any system that is oppressive, but they learn the language as if they're going to. But actually, they're going to be happily complicit in the system regardless. And so listen out and look out for people who learn revolutionary language, but they are not revolutionary people. They have no desire for liberation, but they want to buy your desire for liberation and for for you to keep them going, but they don't have any desire to change. And a lot of guys are getting quick. They're getting quick to to kind of pick up what what the trend is. So you lot that love praising that guy that talks about, oh, and I'm going to say it because at the end of the day, this podcast is doing what this podcast is doing, especially you um, platforms, podcasts that are predominantly middle-aged women or like um, older black women, constantly platforming this guy that talks about essentially how to be a good baby father. And then all of you women are flocking to go and open up your front to him. Like, oh my God, he just understands what my baby father doesn't understand. And then you're just spreading your legs anyhow. Are you not listening to him? He's never once talking about being a good partner. So that means he he has no intention of ever being a good partner. He plans to be a professional baby father. That's it. You're praising him for the bare minimum. The bar is in fucking hell. You're praising him for the bare minimum. Then that there's that other one that likes to eat mangoes and scrub elephants misogynistic as fuck like just a quick skim of his um of 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 his um social media page he'll post one woman usually light-skinned sexy he'll post her image first and then have some kind of quote-unquote informative um video straight after it so use her to grab you and you'll be like oh yeah this was the only way that you were going to click on this video but can you not see that how that's still misogynistic you're still commodifying the bodies of women in order in order to 
get whatever point that you want to get across. And it's usually still going to be, oh, we're kings, we're black kings and we're meant to lead women. Where are you leading them to? Have you have any of you managed to ask these guys, where are they leading you to? Have they shared the map with you? But you're just following because he's muscular and eats mangoes and wears wooden beads. God, don't let the desire to get laid down and your back blown out stop you from finding your path of enlightenment. Please. A lengthy day keeps the, keeps the common sense away. Bloody hell. Nev told me to stop saying bloody hell. Stop saying bloody hell, mummy. Um, but I'm saying this because I'm worried about how black men as well as black women are becoming radicalized because they are not interrogating enough what they are imbibing, what they are consuming in terms of content. Same with you lot that like to go and pay attention to, to pay attention to them femininity coaches. I don't know what the fuck they're teaching you. I don't know what the fuck. Everything is is just the case of the emperor's new clothes. You know how the emperor was naked, and that's even perfect in terms of empire. You know how the emperor was naked, and everybody was like congratulating him because his outfit was so cute, but he wasn't wearing any fucking thing. That's how you lot behave with white supremacy whether it's within um, Abrahamic religions, whether it's between, outside of those Abrahamic religions, whether it's um, femininity coaching, whether it's um, what is this um, black men and reclaiming our mental health, whatever the case may be and being whatever you're being. In every circumstance, you're still practicing white supremacy, but you've just put an invisible new garment on it. That is absolutely what you're doing. Femininity coaches, what are they teaching you? Oh, be more feminine, be soft, be tender so the man can need you. White supremacy. Oh, yeah, I'm using this woman's body to draw attention to the fact that this is duh, 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 and we all should be practicing polyamory because we have to let a king be a king so he can look after many women. White supremacy. White supremacy's version of patriarchy anyway. Because all of you are talking about polyamory, polyamory. 85% of you don't know how to practice polyamory properly. You haven't fulfilled one woman. You want to talk about having an extra woman. Oh, I'm a people pleaser. That's why I feel like I just need to share myself with more than one woman. You are yet, sir, to please one woman. You haven't managed to f- figure out how to devote yourself to one woman. You are, you only The only people that should be practicing polyamory are those who are in excess of love, who are in excess of care. They have so much that even once they're sharing it out with multiple people, the, the primary person doesn't even bat an eyelid. They don't even notice that then, you know, that they're, that they're giving it out and sharing it. With, they, don't, they don't notice. But... 95% of you have not managed with one. You're worrying about three. And now you're making songs about it, writing songs about it, that this is what we're doing out here. I understand that what's happening for me, what I feel like is happening on an energetic level is that black people as a collective are having um, an identity crisis. They're having an identity crisis because due to the commodification of blackness, um, when you look at people like Kim Kardashian, when you look at um, all of these people, they have bought and then profited um, off 
extrapolating certain signifiers of blackness so those can no longer be relied upon and then black people are having to go back to the drawing board especially because so much of um, is extracted from us in terms of arts culture um food all of that histories like so much is extracted from us and then and then gate kept so we don't have access to it anymore so then black people are having to come back to the drawing board to figure out who they are but what they're left with are remnants of white supremacist heteropatriarchy and so they're trying to repackage it and be like this is a form of liberation when it actually is not it is not okay um so i say that so that that I got onto that subject from saying that this one decided to send me, oh, I'm considering this. And then when I was looking at all of the books that he's reading, it's like some of these men, what they're finding is that they feel deeply unfulfilled. And so they're looking for which man has gotten it right that they can copy. But then they're gravitating towards the men who haven't actually gotten it right. They've just gotten a lot of money. So if you look at the archetypes of the men that people, uh, the other men are going to choose to learn from, like that Ben Anderson that I mentioned last week, fucking dickhead, like they're not looking at is this person deeply happy? Are they? Do they? Do they get? Do they? Um, do they exude a sense of peace? No. What they see is that these people have a lifestyle and maybe they have a cute partner. I don't know if that can be said about Ben, but. They'll look, oh, they have, they got a cute partner. Do they, are they, do they look like they're in control of their partner? Do they have a lot of money? Okay, that's who I want to be then. Because you lot swear up and down that you love that Gary V guy, that Tony Robbins and all of these people. There's not a single person that you've mentioned that I'm like, yeah, I see it. Remember during lockdown when I would go for my long runs and I'd be listening to Super Soul Conversations by Oprah. Have you heard me mention Oprah recently? Because once I did some digging, I was like, ah, 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 ah. No, 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 no. And that's also interesting because when I looked at the Color Purple premiere, I was just like, really? No invite? But it's fine. It's fine. All of you do what you're doing. Um, I struggle to, not even struggle. I just don't worship anybody. Like I, I, I don't, humans are not infallible. So I struggle to put other humans on a pedestal. I can admire aspects of what they do, but I don't put them on a pedestal. I can respect what they do, but I don't put them on a pedestal because it's important to not put people on pedestals in that way. It's important. But because of the way that celebrity, um, because of the way that the white supremacist packaging of Abrahamic religion, specifically Christianity has worked it. And therefore, when we look at white supremacy and we look at um, the monarchy and all of these things, we have been taught that there has to be somebody at the top who is in charge of us all. So then then there are other little leaders, right? Other little, you know, project managers or overseers, as it were. So you're always looking for somebody to worship. When you're now being shown that each person you're choosing to worship is a piece of shit, you're now left in a conundrum because like, so then who do I worship? Source. You go back to source, go back to the beginning, go back to the divinity that is within you. You go back to that because you weren't, it was never meant to be an external exercise. Every, all the paths were meant to lead you back to you. But instead, people are still out there searching and searching and searching. And for me, I feel like, yeah, it's an exploration, 
I, I'm searching for more understanding, but I'm not searching for somebody to give me all of the answers. Right? I understand that. I'm a bit like a magpie and I'm just picking at things and, I, and I'm just figuring out, you know, figuring things out along the way. But I'll be damned if I put one human ahead of myself, above myself. I'm not trying to put any humans below me. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. But I'm not putting any fucking human above myself. And so many people, their minds cannot compute not having a human above them. So that's why celebrity culture is so rife. But I've been telling you, celebrity culture is crumbling. In the next 20 years, you will not, you'll be hard pushed, hard pressed to find a celebrity in the same vein that you've been used to experiencing celebrities now. They're all on the way out. They are. They are. So about this landmark forum, I was reading about it and it made me, and saying that, I think that there's some documentary on Netflix. I'm on Netflix actually now. Proof of the series I was in. Well, I've come in one of the episodes playing a teacher. So you can check it out on Netflix. P-R-U. Proof. I think I need to be paid for it though. I didn't know it was ever going to be on Netflix. So um, anyway, there's that documentary. I think it's called um, Surviving Twin Flames or Escaping Twin Flames or something like that. But it speaks about cults. And apparently Landmark Forum get very litigious when people refer to them as a cult, like they'll sue you. But if you weren't a cult, why are you suing people? Like you should just be fine, innit? So I started reading about it and um, people who have gone have some, like people, what's interesting to me is that people who go can't, won't tell you what happens there. But, oh, you just need to sign up. You just need to sign up. You just need to do it as well. No, no. So I went and started doing my Googles and researching. Then I decided to research the guy who came up with Landmark Forum. So it's meant to be a three day. So it's like a three day course um, where you leave better. So it's like a self-help course, right? Um, And those who have done it go on to do more of it. And the main part of it is that then they recommend to other people that other people come and do it. And so to me, that starts sounding like a pyramid scheme, starts sounding like a cult. Anyway, this is what I found about Landmark Forum and um, the founder, Werner Erhard is his name, W-E-R-N-E-R. Um, E-R-H-A-R-D That's not even his original name He changed his name to that And I think he changed it Maybe to sound more um, intelligent and successful Anything that's really started by men I'm very, very cautious of But anyway, let's get into it So this is what I found um, It says here Beginning in the 1970s A company named EST uh, um, Erhard seminar training sold courses which are now often called large group awareness training and or mass marathon training for self-improvement this included an introductory course known as the forum Jack Rosenberg a former used car salesman that was his original name Jack Rosenberg a former used car salesman created EST with no formal education past high school fair enough in the 1960s Rosenberg left his wife and four children in Philadelphia changed his name to Werner Hans Erhard moved to California and started another family this is the man that you lot are getting your breakthroughs from I I want let me calm down but I just want to point this out a man that abandoned his family 
changed his name is who you think I'm going to go and sign up to, a, to, to be taught by. Anyway, this, I, this is why I stopped Bikram yoga. I know I can go to hot yoga and whatever else, but I stopped going to Bikram, even though I was enjoying it. Once I watched that um, um, documentary about the guy, Bikram, once I watched that documentary about him, I said, God forbid, God forbid. I, there isn't flexibility in the world that will make this okay. Yes, my hips are now open and I can drop it down low even more than before, but I'll be damned if this motherfucker, this predator gets any more of my money. Anyway, um, Erhard was reportedly the role model, the living example of what the EST training could do. Um, but CBS News reported allegations of incest, rape and spousal abuse, um, a spousal abuse made against Werner Erhard by his daughters and former employees. Pardon me. Not long after the airing of the program, this was because he was um, um, CBS did uh, 60 minutes on him in um, around 2009. And I also want to point out time as a context here. So when I was doing my research, I found that I I believe, I think his daughters might have possibly, I don't know whether they retracted what they said about the incest, but they stopped talking about it. And if we think about how hard it is currently for women who have been sexually abused, sexually assaulted to get any justice, think about what it was like back then. And this guy is super powerful now with this self-help program that he's putting everywhere. How they, I'm going to get into it. Let me not, let me not get ahead of myself. Not long after the airing of this program, Erhard sold his company reportedly to his employees and went into prolonged seclusion. The for-profit privately owned company, which still sells the forum and other training courses, is now known as Landmark Education and headed by Werner Erhard's brother and sister. What follows is um, a summary of um, the statements made by Erhard's family members and insiders, which was broadcast by CBS on 60 Minutes in March 3rd, 1991. He says, I am God. Dr. Bo- uh, Bob Lazarelli um, was... Um, Lazarelli was the head of Erhard's counseling staff for seven years during the 1970s. I am God. He did say sometimes in staff meetings. This is what the guy told CBS, CBS News. Wendy Drucker was a top manager who worked closely with Erhard for nine years. Drucker told CBS, I would never um, have believed that I could be a person who would um, wind up in a cult and yet certainly mind control was involved. And if that's what cults do and they set up a leader to be bigger than anybody else, a godlike figure, I would say, yes, that was true in the organization. We were told to surrender to him as source. I think that's idolatry. This was not like being an employee. This was like being a servant or a devotee, Drucker said. Ms. Drucker confirmed Lazarelli's um, statement and said that Erha told them, told the whole staff at staff meetings, I am the source, I am God. An EST brochure once featured a loving portrait of Erhard with his second wife, Ellen. The implication was that if Erhard could turn his life around, the forum could turn your life around too. In an interview with Larry King on CNN, Erhard explained, 
EST is a program of inquiry into the things that concern people on a very everyday basis, like breaking through the ordinary barriers that just go along with children and your relationship with your children at certain ages. But did that program work for Werner Erhard? Celeste Erhard, the EST founder's eldest daughter from his second marriage, didn't seem to think it did. I have been afraid, deeply afraid of my father my whole life. My whole life, he is a terrifying man. He can be very terrifying, she told CBS News anchor Ben Bradley. Dawn Damas was the family's governess and is still a close friend. She told CBS News that she witnessed Erhard assault his son, St. John, um, or Sinjin, when the boy was 12. He went over to Sinjin and started to slap him and hit him and picked him up and threw him on the ground and started to kick him in front of everybody and nobody moved. Everyone was paralyzed. Um... And then said to St. John, if you ever get grades like this again, I'll break both of your legs with a baseball bat. Werner Erhard declined to talk to 60 Minutes, but he did speak to reporter John Hubner um, of the San Jose Mercury News for an article in um, WEST, the paper Sunday magazine. In an um, audio taped interview, um, Erhard denied that he ever hit his son Sinjin. Never, ever, ever, never, ever struck one of my children. Not any one of them ever, he said. But Adir Erhard directly contradicted her father. My dad freaked out. He pushed him back on the chair. He fell over. At this point, you know, my brother was so petrified, he actually peed in his pants. Um, You know, he's down on the floor. He's kicking him and he's hitting him. CBS anchor Ben Bradley reported Sinjin, who is now 23, didn't want to speak on camera, but he told us the beating did take place. This is the man, the the the, the father of Landmark Forum. And I, when I say that spirit has never made a blood clot li- a liar out of me, my spirit was like, there is something manipulative, coercive, and quite frankly, robotic. And um, it's the word... I don't want to use the word abusive. He's abusive as in Werner Erhard and whatever his first name was before he changed it. But he was basically teaching people. Remember like WandaVision where she was in so much grief that she held everybody in this world where of her own making so she wouldn't have to face the reality of what everything was. This is a guy that he knows that people will sign up to his cause who have probably been abused by parents or people in their lives who are probably downtrodden and going through so many things and they're looking for answers. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for direction. And then when they share what they've been through, the way he's done the course is that somebody basically says to you, well, you're the one that's made a big deal about it out of all of these years. Call those people that you feel have hurt you and let them know that you take, you've made them the issue all of their all of your life but it was actually nothing to do with them it was all about you that's abusive that is actually abusive you want me as somebody for instance let's take me as an example again trigger warning here you want me as somebody who has been sexually abused at the age of seven to go to that guy or call him and say i've made you the excuse for why i have struggled so much with intimacy since being um, violated by you in such a way. But now I realize that I could have let that story go and that story doesn't define me. I love you. You want me to say to somebody that raped me at seven that I love them. You're all fucking ridiculous. You're fucking stupid. Like that, that is ridiculous to me. And it's so fucking harmful. 
that you'll just pick and choose different psych, you know, um, philosophies, whether ba- based on psychology or psychotherapy and religion, push them all together and get this. You know why he's making you all do that? Because he is trying to absolve himself of the ways in which that he has abused his own families. Like not just the second family or the first, like he's abused people throughout his life. And so he's been fed energetically by you all going to people and saying that they're not responsible for the harm that they caused you. Again, people are learning the language of growth and refusing to grow. Love doesn't hurt. Somebody who didn't know how to love hurt you. It's important to differentiate the two. I don't walk around going love is love hurts and love is pain. I know better now. Love does not hurt and love is not painful. People who did not know how to love are the ones who caused the hurt and caused the pain. It's important to differentiate. And so because this guy is so good at manipulating the emotions of others, he's practiced it on his own families for years. He now teaches others through this course to repress their own natural emotions and talk to other people like robots as a way to control discourse and to avoid true vulnerability. That's scary. Yeah, he'll, I'll get to it in a second. Erhard's daughters also recounted how he and or his EST associates abused their mother. At one point, someone picked up a statue and hit her over the head. You know, my dad constantly saying, what are you saying? What aren't you saying? He himself got up and while she was on the floor, um, got up while she was on the floor and kicked her a number of times, a dear Erhard told CBS. Erhard's daughters claimed that the assault on their mother, Ellen Erhard, continued for two nights. Celeste Erhard said, at one point on the second night, I did stand up and say, please, you're killing her. You're killing her. I mean, my mother was blue. Her face was blue. She had like drool coming out of the side of her mouth. She was dying. She was, you know, suffocating. And he said to me, um, sit down or you'll get more of the same. And that is a direct quote. I remember every word and that's all he said. And I sat down. Adir Erhard agreed with her sister's account. She was strangled, literally. She turned blue. There was spit running out of her mouth. A consultant that worked for Erhard did the actual choking, according to Adir Erhard. And Dr. Bob um, um, Lazareri admitted to CBS that he was that consultant. He said, somebody's got to volunteer to hurt Ellen to punish her and make her talk and make her confess. And nobody did until I thought, oh my God, this is an opportunity for me finally to get Werner's total approval. Now I can be a real soldier for him. Now I can make him proud of me. Now I can get him to smile at me. Now I won't be afraid of him anymore. So I volunteered. He did it to scare her into confessing but uh, about alleged infidelities. Um, Lazaleri said that Erhard didn't try to stop him at all. Lazarelli um, lamented it was a despicable thing to do and it took me days to realize it afterwards when I began to let myself feel again it was my god it was like a nightmare that I could have gone that far with wanting to please some um please wanting to get approval from wanting to get love from another human being to do that Erhard's daughters also told CBS that their father wouldn't allow their mother to live with them for two years Adair Erhard said that periodically Ellen Erhard was allowed to come into the house, but like a maid to scrub the floors and the daughters had to watch this, but weren't allowed to speak with her. 
Adair Earhart explained, you know, he whatever he said that she would um that she should do, she had to do. And that was part of the instructions. Yeah, you have to be a maid for your house. I wanted to say something so bad or just to do something about it. And there's it just so petrified me all the time. And there's just no way I could be okay with myself to tell anybody or do anything about what was going on. In an audio taped interview, Erhard dismissed these accounts about his marital relationship. Essentially nonsense. Ellen was never a maid. Ellen was my wife and I treated her like my wife. Do you see what that, can you see? That's how people are taught to talk in this thing. Like, There'll be the truth and they'll literally move past the truth and make a very generic statement because they're trying to repress emotions. He said, I didn't treat her like a maid. I treated her like my wife. But what if what your perception of what a wife is, is to treat her like a maid? You see? Um, Deborah Rosenberg is one of the um, one of Erhard's daughters from his first marriage. Ms. Rosenberg told CBS that her father molested her when she was 16. She also claimed that Erhard had abused her siblings with pornography all the way to rape. She told Ben Bradley, I wasn't there, but I believe my sister when she says that my father raped her, forcibly had sexual intercourse with her. Erhard said that the rape was never happened in an audio taped interview. But Deborah Rosenberg told CBS that when she confronted her father about this claim, he admitted there had been sexual intercourse and that it had been a nurturing experience for my sister. He said that I did not rape her. When Deborah Rosenberg repeated what her father said to her sister, she said that her response to his explanation was that it was not a nurturing experience for her and she had to have a lot of therapy about that and it was not consensual. Governess Dawn Damas told 60 Minutes that Erhard's daughters told CBS true things about their father that are terrible. He beats his wife and he beats his children and he rapes a daughter and then he goes and tells people how to have marvellous relationships. I'm sorry, that's what I have against Werner Erhard. Celeste Erhard commented about her relationship with her father as an adult. I kept thinking that he would be a father. I kept thinking that when he got older, he'd want children and he'd want his daughters. I just really thought that, you know, that he um, maybe he'd get wiser with age and he'd regret what he'd done. But um, he didn't, she said. Erhard's lawyers sent CBS affidavits from his sister and brother and from and from a few of his close associates disputing some of the stories from his children and denying that Erhard ever abused his wife. Erhard stated, there is only one appropriate response to these allegations, to heal and restore my family. And that is what I will do. To respond to the accusations at this time would only further publicly exploit my family. And there has been enough of that. So I read all of that to say, please do not go and sign up. If anybody says to you, oh, um, landmark forum you should go it really helps don't go don't go don't go don't and anyone who's gone I pray that you realize that this is not it life is fucking hard life is so so fucking hard but life doesn't have to be hard and we're all searching for answers and sometimes in the searching for the answers, we distract ourselves. Like, what is the actual question that we're asking? Let's go back to the question. Because sometimes we need to rethink the question in order to move closer to our answers. But this, uh, anything, this is a fruit of the poison tree. This guy, whatever model he has created that you think is helping, 
It's absolutely not. I would say the same for anything. I'm not just coming at this specifically. I'd say the same for anything. I do not believe in spiritual bypassing. I do not believe in um, elements of coercive control, which is what essentially that these people are teaching, asking you to ignore truth or any truth that takes power away from you and to focus on manipulating the other person to believe that they're the ones that need healing because they're asking you to be accountable and they're asking you to practice true vulnerability. That, that is something. This is a long episode, my God. Um, So I was looking up um, things from people who had um, gone to the Landmark Forum and this is what they said. This is from three years ago. I recently went to the Landmark Forum course after doing the Landmark Forum introduction. I definitely knew prior to participating in both in both what I that I wanted to document and share my experiences. However, I didn't know where to post them. Um, to begin, I need to be very clear. I did not want to do the course or the introduction and did not pay for the course. My boss, who hold, um, holds places in other areas of my life, encouraged, pressured and advised me to do so. The Landmark Forum shares their course syllabus, times and content on their own website. Their transparency, quote unquote, is another step to luring you in. Main detail point is three days from 9am to 10pm. This is said to keep the momentum breaks every few hours. They ask you to start putting their taught methods into action. And if you return early from a break, staff will begin conversations about anything forum related, mainly to ask about the actions you took in your break. So your break is not a break. They tell you to sleep well. Not being able to sleep well is something they touched on. It's an excuse. They give you assignments every night that can take a lot of time, especially after a full day. I took notes from the moment our forum leader began speaking. They advised quickly that we would get more from the experience by not taking notes. I disregarded this message. Halfway through the day, they asked everyone in the room to promise two things. One being, I will promise not to take notes in a room of 40 people, seven which are staff. It was hard to not raise my hand and promise this. The entire weekend uses basic, they put, they, I'm highlighted that here, psychological concepts, but they've taken these concepts, altered them, and then applied their own language. They will tell you about the importance of language, again, explaining a psychological, explaining psychological theories without telling you their name or the study behind it, etc. Because they are loosely based on real theories. There is no truth to some of their teachings. But if you're reading this, you're on the internet, everything you can learn there, you can learn for free elsewhere. Um, we are not a cult. They made a point of saying this, but I think it made them themselves appear desperate whilst convincing everyone they weren't a cult. A common tactic is asking questions that elicit a yes, which is done over and over. They let us go home. So they're not a cult. Apparently most of their workers are volunteers. We have to adopt. You disagree, come out to the front. As said before, most questions will make everyone say yes. If you disagree, you're encouraged to, but it means um, you have to come to the front and argue your point. Fair enough. However, you have to use their language. Otherwise, they use your language against you. We don't give answers. Our forum leader repeated this over and over. It's a conversation which is about engagement. They want you to discover the answers for yourself, but only if you use their language, agree with them and do everything they tell you. You should call your dad. This is subjective. They encourage you to reach out to everyone in your life that you are not complete with. And this is some of the terms that I've seen firsthand. One staff member interrupted my break by starting a conversation about calling my father. She was giving me life advice. I'm not going to read this next bit because I think it's quite fat phobic what he wrote about this person anyway. But the point he was trying to make here from what I was reading was that this person that was trying to give him life advice clearly did not have her life in order. 
The entire course preaches about living your authentic life, being authentic and having integrity. If your authentic self doesn't align with their wants, values and goals, then you are not living your authentic life. Everything they do is about pressuring you to spend more money, do more courses, do more, more, more. They know their demographic are people searching for answers, searching for guidance and self-help. Um, and then they just ask you... Um, to help recruit people by telling them to sign up to the course. And I've, I want to be gentle with this because for me, and she says after she's already dragged the um, founder to pieces, I want to be gentle with this because for me, it's not about knocking any path that any of us are choosing to find um, enlightenment. It's the fact that sometimes, and it happens with tarot, it happens with yoga, it happens with any form of spirituality. It happens all of the time. Anybody can use any tool to manipulate other people. But so for me, I don't wholeheartedly grab onto anything. If tomorrow I go, you know what? I'm done with tarot. I'm done with astrology. I am. There's nobody that can tell me any fucking different. I am. I'm off. Because it's not about the thing. It's about what the thing teaches me about myself. And for me, it's about how do I show up more in life as as honestly as I possibly can and as lovingly as I honestly can so that's what I'm trying to discover and I'll use this opportunity to tell you right now that remember when I got back from Peru and I was saying that oh you know I would love to do a retreat and take everybody um, on um, you know for people to come along to an ayahuasca retreat so they can do their own discovery the reason I said I was going to go is because I didn't want and I also didn't recommend where I went is because I didn't want anybody that was extremely vulnerable to be left with the guy who runs the retreat center that I went to. I didn't want to share the details, nothing, because I know that mentally I'm rather resilient. So when this guy was saying some left things about religion and other people's practices that sounded a bit racist, if I'm honest, like I just had to block it out. Because I know what I'm here to do. Like, I don't need you. I know what I'm here to do. Right? Um, but I wonder if somebody else who didn't have my level of discernment went and how easily they could be sucked into his world. I'm not saying he's a bad mind person. I think that he's he's somewhere that he's trying to find a way out of. And so... I mean, for me personally, anybody who posts endless pictures of white Jesus, I'm sorry, I, I'm not on board. If the only picture that you can find and you keep posting is of a white Jesus, I don't want to know. And he had that element about him. So it was like he was still trying to figure out how he reconciled um, um, the, the shamanic practices with um, ayahuasca, with Christian beliefs. He was going through it. So for that reason, I was responsible enough to not come to you lot and go, ah, oh, go to where I went. These are all of the details. Instead, I was like, I want you to experience ayahuasca, but I want you to experience it in safe surroundings. So I, that's when I was like, okay, well, I can take that and move it to you doing, um, us doing um, uh, a retreat together in Benin. So because I haven't mentioned it, I'm just taking the care to make sure that I look after anybody that's entrusting their vulnerability with me. Initially, I was like, nah, you know what? It's fine. I'll go with everybody. We'll go because I'm there and I've hired out the whole place. I can keep a check and balance on what he's saying and who he's around. But I actually thought, no, you shouldn't be getting the money. So I'm not coming. I'm going to go and do it elsewhere. You know, um, so 
that's just me offering transparency that any modality can be used to manipulate people. And, and I just want for us to make it back from where, whatever all of that is. I just want us to, this is going to be long, but I mean, the um, podcast is going to finish soon, isn't it? So I might as well get everything out that I want to say. Um, well, that's that. I don't even think I should say too much more about that. I don't even know if that should have been straw of the week, but I don't, I'm not really following the same structure for this episode. There was just a lot of my heart that I needed to get out because I see a lot of stuff happening in the black community and people are being radicalized in different ways. And we need to be able to see each other. We need to be able to see each other. We need to be able to save each other. And I just think that we should do more research and we should really pay attention to the people in our lives, especially people who are looking for answers. We're all looking for answers, but really hold space for each other. Like, that's what I'm here to do. Like, I'm just here to, let's figure it out together. Let's figure it out together. You tried this, I tried that. Didn't bang, didn't work. Okay, let's regroup. Where do we go from here? That's what I'm looking for. A group of people, um, in my life who are also wanting to wanting to do the learning and I think even for me going forward in terms of romantic relationships all my kind of shadow work and all of the things that I've done in um, recent years especially this year has helped me to see that the kind of person that I would want to be with is the kind of person that will be happy to hold your hand to walk through the underworld because Things are about to get very, very wild in this world. Very, very wild. For us to make it to a path, to make it to a reality of healing, we're going to go through some really fucked up times. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that now with how we're speaking way more publicly in the mainstream about the genocides taking place all across the world. And specifically, you know, what we're seeing happening in um, the Democratic Republic of Congo, or just Congo, and um, what we're seeing happening in Palestine and you know, um, Sudan, all of these places that we're, we're seeing now that we have to talk about it because we are bleeding. We are bleeding out and we're doing nothing to try to stop it. And we are trying. That's not me saying that we're doing nothing, but I'm saying that in terms of on a larger level, the powers that be that be are doing nothing to try to stop it because they are the ones that inflicted the wound in the first place and they benefit from the blood being spilled. They do. How that pussy club, Prince Charles, or is he King Charles now? KC3 can go to that summit. Is it um, COP, whatever? Go to the summit and be talking about, oh, climate justice, climate justice. You motherfuckers with your arms deals um, in, in, you know, in the front and the back. You lot are the ones causing all of this. Yet, so they pretend that they're solving the problem, but they're using the, the summit as a way to make further trade deals to push us further into hell. Can you not see how all of this is ridiculous? So you want to, I feel like you want to be with the kind of person that even when you're walking through the underworld, you're holding hands and you're holding tightly and you're like, yeah, we can make it through this. Be not afraid. The eyelids full of noises. Is that Tempest? Like you want that. Anything other than that, then I don't know what you got. I don't know what you got. You have to be able to walk through the underworld with the belief that you are going to make it through. 
and that you are the the what you envision to see on the other side when you make it through that underworld that you are aligned even in that vision because i can't do the scaredy cats i can't you if you can't face yourself you sure as hell cannot face the underworld um so that being said randomly my share your magnificence let's get to you share your magnificence because i've really been talking my share your magnificence goes out to sally manners sally manners is a baby girl and um she's a white woman that i rock with you know i just i really enjoy her vibe i enjoy her vibe i'm actually the cat suit i'm wearing now my one piece if you can see it ah look at that i love it because i don't have to wear a bra with it and it's just sitting it's just sitting nicely you know, she makes, she, people call her the titty witch because the clothes that she makes means that your, your boobs can just sit nicely. And it's a little backless situation. You can't really see. But um, I love this catsuit that I've got on, this cheetah print catsuit. I bought it from her a while back. I bought a pink dress from her that's super cute as well. Like this kind of skater dress. It's really, really cute. And um, what else did I get? I got a grey mid-length like mid-sleeve mid-length mid-sleeve length whatever um catsuit recently as well you know me I love a onesie I love a catsuit so um big up Sally the reason I'm bigging up Sally see Sally's happened on the spectrum because we've got Sally in HR and then we've got Sally Manners you see what's possible in the lives of Sally's you can either be Sally in HR or you can be Sally Manners so Manners London um, is Sally's website. I'm bigging up Sally because for her birthday the other day, she encouraged um, people who follow her. So she, um, the, her website is manners, M-A-N-N-E-R-S-L-D-N.com, mannerslondon.com. So manners, M-A-N-N-E-R-S-L-D-N.com, where you can see all of the beautiful, beautiful clothes she's got available. And there's a new mesh collection that I want to get involved with because I love to show a bit of skin. Um, I'm picking up Sally because for her birthday, she encouraged everybody to go and give to Child of Light Foundation. You know, the children's home and resource center that myself and my mum were building, um, that I'm building in um, Lagos. And I that really, really touched me. That really, really touched me. She's been showing mad support for the children's home. She's been showing mad support for the podcast. So big up yourself, Sally. Like two slaps on your chest. I rate you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, and then now for imagine after all of that, we still got an interview that I need to fit in. So we've got this interview with, um, Savannah Leaf. Savannah Leaf is the director of Earth Mama. Earth Mama comes out on the 4th of December, I believe. So it must be out now in the UK. Earth Mama is a 2003, 2023 drama film directed by and written by Savannah Leaf and based on the short film, The Heart Still Hums by Leaf and Taylor Russell. I recently saw Taylor Russell in The Effects at the National Theatre. Um, it was theatrically released in the United States on July 7th, 2023 by A24. And now it's coming out in the United Kingdom. Well, it says here December 8th, I guess so. So it's coming out December 8th um, and that's being released by We Are Parable and they're a black owned company, I believe. So that's great. So Earth Mama out December 8th. And so you can watch my conversation with Savannah now. It was very cute. Just a very cute, very brief conversation. And then we'll jump to So You Mad. Catch you in a bit. Savannah. Baby girl, wow, you really, really, really did bits with Earth Mama. I no, I, like, no, let's talk about it. Like, let's actually talk about it. Your vision, the no, 
wild, wild <laughs> scenes. Like, congratulations. What a stunning, what a stunning like debut for a feature. It's incredible. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. And yeah. you resonated with the film. <laughs> yes. You know, initially when I saw the brief and it was like single mom, or, you know, fighting to get a kid. But I said, here we go again. <laughs> Why always me that they're asking me to come and watch these movies? What? <laughs> and then I watched and it was breathtaking and it was heartbreaking and it was hopeful and just visually stunning. But it was the story that you told, the stories that you told that, that really got me. Like, I, I just remember looking at the screen and just thinking, rah. Wow. Um, so I wanted to kind of get into that because initially this was I um and what's it? This was inspired by the Heart Still Hum. So that was um like a documentary short. So so I actually um initially wrote the first draft, which was roughly inspired by uh, my relationship to my sister and her birth mother, and um, also this feeling I had as a child, you know, without one of the, my parents, um, and, uh, kind of like yearning to understand a parent that's never there, you know? Mm. Mm. Um, and why, mm. why that is. Um, and, and then I made this film called the heart still hums, which served as kind of like emotional research for that kind of initial draft. And, um, the story then became so much more because I saw myself in all the characters, you know, and um, kind of based all the characters on different mothers I've had throughout my life, whether it's the best friend that can be kind of maternal for you at times, or like a coach or someone that's kind of takes on this maternal role at times. Um and really just seeing myself in all of them and um, also being the child in a lot of relationships as well. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate your enthusiasm towards the film because you're right. Also, um, it's a tough subject matter to read, um, read a log line and say, like, I want to go see that film. Because right. Dealing with heavy subjects. Um but there, but it is so much more than just like, you know, a log line. It's, it's the, these layers that each of the characters have. It's the sense of community and how we support one another when our family, our blood family isn't around, you know? Yeah, no, that, and that's why I really wanted us to talk about it because yeah. I wanted people to see beyond the log line because so much heaviness is in our world at the moment, right? And this yeah. premiered, you know, Earth Mama premiered at Sundance and, you know, to great reviews, like everyone's like, this, this is that girl. Oh, this is that film yes but I, I can imagine people go oh really um you know there's so much heaviness in the world why do I need to see this no you need to see this and this is why I wanted to talk about it on a podcast that people need to see this because the tenderness that you mm. that you kind of caressed each of the characters with even the characters that we would have thought you know they're a side character it's like a you know subplot it's not really that everybody was dealt with such care and why that care is so important to me that I wanted to touch on with you is as somebody that kind of grew up with a parent who wasn't there in terms of my father that the question is always why and on the why weren't you there and also why wasn't I enough you know yeah. and and we watch a parent grappling with a mother grappling with the no the children are enough 
yeah. it's me like i i'm yeah. working on me why i can't feel like i'm enough for them and then seeing you know gia as the you know protagonist grappling with all of this but the state also making it much harder for her to attain the metrics that they've set in order for her to even see her kids yeah exactly and and this idea well it's not an idea the measurements are you know um the same for everyone supposedly but they're 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 kind of they're not adjusted for people's different cultures or communities or just different personalities even um and and so what it means to be fit to parent while that is you know forever adjusting to based on who you are in your family circumstance it doesn't adjust with you um it does mm-hmm. not adjust with you so um uh yeah I, I, all of this kind of comes into the film and what was important you know um, yeah in creating it and it shows because exactly what you said there, and this is a conversation we're always having when it comes to social justice, even for instance, how we can't keep talking about equality if we're not talking about equity, because yeah, you could be like, oh, this rule is blanket. Everybody gets dealt the same card, but, or dealt the same hand. But as you say, if I'm coming from a different socioeconomic background, I've got all of these things that are essentially stacked up against me what looks equal is actually very very unequal because we've got different starting lines in order to finish this um, race that you claim is of equal length right so it it was very very interesting i think that um tia who plays gia her choices as an actor um all of the choices made by you know the various actors um were incredible but your eye as a director and a writer really fascinated me even the type of lenses that you chose you you insisted on softness you insisted Mm -hmm. on like a soft focus why well I think the mothers for me um you know this is stepping into this film from the very beginning I was questioning as a writer like can I can an audience member from all over the world, can can they resonate or empathize with a mother um, who makes a difficult decision while pregnant, um, and that that decision um, is kind of one that has uh, um, it wavers your moral compass, you mm-hmm. know, as you're watching the film or or just in life, you know. Um, and so that was kind of the question I entered writing with. And um, as and so when, when I was making the film, I wanted to bring audiences into that decision in a way that shows the layers, the layers of difficulty, difficulty the layers of humanity. And she's not, you know, a bad mother just because of one decision, it's layered. Um, just like any any mother um, from any background, you know, makes some bad decisions at times. Um, and so yeah. I wanted to show that with sensitivity and care um, so that we can kind of get to this pivotal moment towards the end of the film and be able to watch it and be with her alongside her for it. And um, so that was that was important for me. And it shows, um, and I'm glad it was so that you can see your intentionality in literally each shot 
each decision made in terms of what's said by the um, characters. You know, it's so prevalent, the amount of, for me, the word is tenderness that you kind of utilize and you share with the audience because there were times as the audience member where I wanted to pull away. I'm like, why, why are you doing that then? If you want them back, why are you doing that then? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but you craftfully bring us back. You, you, you're like, no, 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 no. Because this is how so many times people walk away. Society walks away from mothers like these, from people like this. They walk away at this very point where mm-hmm. the character is not doing what you want them to do. And you need to ask yourself like, so is my, is my care, is my compassion only limited, capped mm-hmm. where somebody's doing what I want them to do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it was just really interestingly done. And the music was beautiful. You know, like the all of the choices, like you're really out here. <laughs> well, yeah, we got like an incredible composer on the film, Kelsey Lou, who this is her first time doing a feature length film that has composed other pieces and obviously is a great artist in her own, you know, right. Um, but she poured a lot of herself into the sound, you know, there's elements of heartbeats just kind of fluttering in and out throughout, which is a mixture of sound design, but also music. Um, there's elements of just feeling like children in the background, you know, um, and this how that can be sweet and nostalgic, but also haunting. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so we played a lot with that. And, and there's also an element of improvisation and intuition from Lou um, as a composer, but also who she brought in and how she had them kind of improv over the visuals, the finished cut, I think is a really um, fluid feeling that kind of taps us into Gia's inner world and what she's going through as she's going through it. And, um, and there's this kind of like hum in, mm. in the sounds that that is something that kind of taps back into that short doc, which is when someone said that, you know, her, her body, when her child was taken or, or when she gave a child up for adoption, her body wanted to hold her child, wanted to be close to her child. Um, and she said like, uh, her soul used to sing when her baby was in her belly, your soul used to sing. And then it just weeped and weeped and weeped when a child went away from her. And then now it's kind of humming. And I thought that was like so poetic, but also like I feel that in my body when she yeah. says that, you know. And you never, it just never stops longing, right? It just never stops yearning for that which it created. Um, mm-hmm. And on a closing note, because I, I just find your work so fascinating. But I, so I have two questions. One is... What does water mean to you? Water features heavily in this. And I think about, you know, the amniotic fluids. I think about that, you know, the literal sense of the water. But then, you know, and people talk about water being thicker than blood, but never really finishing what the sentence actually is. Mm-hmm. But, um, or blood being thicker than water, rather, but not really understanding what's being said by that. But yeah, what does water mean to you? Because there were some beautiful, really, as you say, haunting scenes where water is there and then we move into a forest and then we're with earth. So it's like water, earth, but water was really prevalent. Yeah, I think, I, I, I guess I'm thinking a lot about 
this kind of um, this 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 um, water that kind of leaves your body um, as you're giving birth, and um, uh, and this kind of like um, it's what you know we need to survive, but it's also what we need. We pass, you know, we're passing through us and. Um, as she's giving birth. And so when she gets to the end of the film, you know, you see this epically long shot of her at the water's edge. And um, it's almost this like an, an, an extension of that longing for something that has passed through her. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's what I get from it um, in a simple way way <laughs> yeah it's beautiful I mean I don't want to spoil it for people who are yet to watch um Earth Mama because I wanted to talk about tarantulas <laughs> but, but, but I won't spoil it but even that even that I you know the imagery of that was beautiful um and then yeah I feel like finally just on a closing note what was it like like this is your first feature right so what was it like like stepping into things going, I'm, I'm doing this. So for Kelsey, first time doing a, you know, a score for, you know, a feature, but you writing and directing this feature, what's, what's that process been like? I mean, it still feels kind of surreal. You know, you have this little idea in your head that kind of just is there floating around and it feels too big to ever like complete, but it's just there, you know, and you try to take a little step forward and then you're like, oh, it's terrible. Like, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> and then like something else, you're like, oh, but maybe if I adjust it like this and then you're like, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> and then, you know, it just keeps going. And eventually you get to a point where the movie's made and you're like, damn, <laughs> how did I get here and I'm really proud of this because it just was like all these kind of you just get to one step and then you go back down and you get to the next and so I feel amazing but also I feel like my my body is like let this like everything in inside of me is just like let this thing out and now I'm like all right let's go to the next itch I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> gonna say because now you caught the bug that's like okay well I'll make another one like the adrenaline is like yeah so (laughs) so I'm trying to figure out how to to slowly work on the next thing but not um overwork myself at at the same time yeah no you've done a phenomenal job and um I'm so excited for people to watch this because you didn't make obvious choices and I'm so grateful that you didn't make obvious choices that are played out in terms of tropes thank you for your tenderness thank you for your vision and your heart and you know sharing this with us and I hope that we can honor the hum of you know you gifting us this and us appreciating it now that it's out in the world but thank you Savannah thank you And I'm back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Savannah Leaf. Um, and do check out Earth Mama um, in the cinemas or wherever you check it out on from December 8th. Um, it's really, it's just beautifully shot. Um, the lead actress in it, love her vibe. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Um, and it's just, it's, it's not an easy story. It's not an easy story at all to watch, but I rate it. So do check that out. 
Um, so that's that for um, Share Your Magnificence. Two slaps on your chest, Savannah. And um, We Are Parable and all of the people there. And A24, A24 really comes through with some of these, um, you know, these films. So, you know, I, I'm, I, I see it. I see it and I dig it. Anyway, this week for So You Mad. Um, so Renaissance has is out. The, the film is out. Um, I saw that quite a lot of people went to the premiere. Love that for you. Um, but Israelis have been um, using Break My Soul as their anthem. I'm sure Jonathan will pop something over here, over here somewhere. Yeah, they've been using it as their anthem. So they're watching the film and they're carrying their flags um, and they're singing along to Break My Soul. Who is breaking your soul? Like, this is how narratives get so skewed. Who is breaking your soul? When the fact that you are able to be in the cinema right now, watching the Renaissance movie and singing along to break my soul means that you're not the one that's on the receiving end of the breaking of the souls because there are other people literally 44 miles away that are getting bombed. They're getting bombed. What are you talking about? And so... Basically, um, and um, the Israeli um, Twitter page or X, whatever the fuck you want to call it, they have been tweeting at Beyonce that, oh, this little Israeli girl um, loves you and would like a video. I feel like very much Israel's doing something really, really fucked up where they're trying to, Israel as a state, as an entity, right? They're doing something really fucked up where they're trying to get Beyonce, who's arguably the biggest star in the world right now to essentially pick a side, right? I don't know. Are they doing it to Adele? Are they doing it to Taylor Swift? I would like to know this because this is also where I'm kind of a bit stuck on the matter. Never stuck on this. You know, I'm always with the Palestinians. I'm with the Palestinians since doing my, you know, getting myself to, I'm with the Palestinians, right? But what I'm saying is that some people are trying to say that, oh, it's misogynoir that, means that it's Beyonce that's been placed with the um, responsibility of speaking out against genocide in a way that Taylor Swift and, um, you know, Adele, maybe Rihanna, all of these people aren't being asked to. Um, and so I was just getting into a few of the messages because I think that the healthiest thing to do at this point um, and quite frankly, the smartest thing, because I don't want the beehives problems, I'll tell you that, is just to put to you some of the things that I've been reading, I think that that's the easiest thing. Um, because when you're a billionaire, this is just one of the things that comes to my mind. When you're a billionaire and you have enough money for this life, for your, for your, for your life, your children's life, in this life and the next, what does it cost to just say, you know, stop the genocide? Three words, stop the genocide. Or pull your film from Israel. Pull it. What does it cost? What will you be losing? Because you already have more money than you could ever need. At the same time, I understand the argument on this side where people are like, but why is it only being asked of her? Why is it only being asked of Beyonce? Because other people get, and this is what I think that Bell Hooks was trying to get us to, to think about from early on. That when she, I mean, she called, Beyonce a cultural terrorist and well Bell Hooks said what she wanted to say and she gave 
her reasonings for saying such. But ultimately, at the core of what Bell Hooks was saying, even if you didn't agree with the language that she was using at the time when she was alive, when she wrote this piece, she was saying that we as black people also need to be aware of um, how our black celebrities um, um, navigate their class interests. So while you feel like this person might be your revolutionary queen because she uses quote unquote revolutionary language in her music and in her imagery, her interests are not aligned with yours because she's not in the same class as you. Um, Your admiration, your money keeps her in the class that she's in, but she's not in the class. She doesn't have your interests, like her investments, everything like, And outside of the person, there is also a brand. And that brand is affiliated in many different ways, more ways than we could ever realize. And so these are all of the things that are being considered. And then on the other side of that, it's like capitalism is a construct. All of this is not real. You've already made enough money so you can actually step away from all of this, whether brand, corporation, whether individual. If you believe that what is being done is truly abhorrent, you can you can you can make a statement, even if that means risking getting future opportunities. But have you not garnered enough and do you not trust in your fan base enough that because if you have your own record label, if you have this, if you have that by speaking out against certain atrocities, what do you lose? Nothing because your fan base still stays with you. In fact, they stay with you even stronger because you spoke out for something. So I'm just arguing both sides right now. I don't even have somebody to argue the other side, but I'm just trying to um, present to you some of the things um, that I've been reading. Um, Let me see. Somebody says here, the way we have fallen so far from what we used to get from black musicians, they used to bail Black Panthers out of jail, give money to actual organizers, write music that actually challenged the status quo. But now asking them to merely mention the oppressed is too much. Um, this was someone quote tweeting. Um, this was someone quote, quote tweeting another tweet that says, It's completely unfair to put all that weight and pressure on these celebrities, especially the black ones, when global shit pops off that's been going on for decades and centuries, as if their words is going to put an end to it. This shit has been going on and y'all said nothing. Somebody else wrote, I just hate that subliminal message of you're black, so you should do more slash better. I ignored it at first, but it's becoming impossible to do so now. It's like they expect more out of someone just because they are black. All the while, letting others slide. I don't know. It's getting weird. And then somebody else wrote, and it happens every time a big global issue happens. Somebody countered it and said, no, it isn't. People with global voices really do have the moral obligation to use them to make things better. That's just life. No getting around it. Right now, I'm wondering why the world's biggest stars are nearly universally silent on the matter. Somebody else wrote, two black billionaires, living legends, can't advocate for justice. How sad. I'm how sad. Somebody else wrote, icons like Josephine Baker, and Nina Simone, etc., didn't just pretend to be activists. Celebs speaking out has made a huge impact before. You just don't know about it, like destigmatizing AIDS. What's the point of power and influence at her level if not to speak up? 
somebody else wrote, coddling billionaires like this should feel embarrassing as if they are ever going to take care of you. It's unfair to have all this money and refuse to speak on these issues. And, you know, what else did I say? Somebody says, if y'all didn't worship celebrities and hang on their every move, neither side wouldn't be in a tizzy. Just accept that 99.9% of them um, talented opportunists with very little moral consistency um, and treat them accordingly. B was using black liberation speak to promote capitalism. Well, Somebody wrote, misogynoir shows up in many ways. Fans pressuring Beyonce to pull her film out of Israel. They wrote it in inverted commas because it's a, it's a fake entity. It's not one of those ways. And I can't believe people are trying to say this. Celebrity worship really does cause brain rot. Well, I would just like to know what your thoughts are on this. You know, on Spotify, you can comment on YouTube. You can comment, um, you know, YouTube or at, on Tuesday at 5.55 p.m. We will be chatting about, um, we'll be chatting live when this comes out. But I'd like to know your view on it because one thing I've always found so fascinating, and I'm just going to be honest, is that some of the most gifted thinkers that I know, absolutely gifted thinkers, that on any other day, they can point out to you the inaccuracies, the inconsistencies with any other system and structure. The moment it comes to this particular person, they lack, they lack the range. They lack the skill. And I understand. And I understand that it's because, you know, you hold someone so dearly, everything, you know, you hold so many memories with what they've created. They stand for so much more than music to you I get it it's the same way that certain black men feel about um, Obama even though he's a warmonger like I get it because that's the first person that you've seen do this thing so so sometimes cognitive dissonance kicks in and I know that you mentioned a lot about what um Beyonce does behind the scenes I hear it sometimes though there comes a point where you can't do anything you can't do enough behind the scenes. You have to step out and say something. You have to step out and say something. And it's now not a case about, oh, but I don't understand what's going on. And it's complicated because it's easy enough for TikTokers to understand and to break down for each other. 12-year-old, 13-year-old TikTokers can break down for each other what's happening. Why is it that the celebrity class are all mutually silent? Why? Collectively, they're all silent. Why? Could it be that the same structures that are funding all of this also have paid for them to be where they are in certain regards. Because if that's not the case, you should be able to say what you need to say. Because I also want to point out that there are the same people, there are people who will be commenting under my tweets about, oh, but didn't collect she rare, 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 and didn't collect she rare, rare, rare. And they're the same people right now, some of them who are backing that, but why does, why does Beyonce have to say anything? Oh, so she, Beyonce doesn't have to call something out, but I do. I, what? So you're expecting something of me with relatively little power and not very much money because remember, I'm still taking a bucket bath in my flat in Bermondsey. That's what I'm doing out here. Upon all my speaky spokey, that's what I'm doing out here. I'm still taking bucket baths. 
But somebody who has more money than they can use in this lifetime is not expected to speak out because, oh, but they're just a musician. You've got to choose. Are they just a musician or are they more? You can't keep moving the goalposts. And this is with me saying it lovingly. I have no skin in the game either way. You know, we've always talked about the fact that I'm not really a fan of anybody. So, but I, I do think it's interesting. And again, I'm saying this literally from a place, place of neutrality in this situation. It's not meant to be a, why didn't Beyonce? And at the same time, it's not like, leave Beyonce alone. I'm very, very curious. I want for you to t- tell me how you see it. I'm very very interested in understanding what are the layers that are being missed in this because as far as I'm concerned this is the problem with celebrity culture that people are allowed to make money based on their talents and but the amount of money and thus influence that they have somehow cannot miraculously be utilized when it is needed this is somebody who the royals went to her um concert Um, The former first lady went to her concert. Very, very powerful people are fans. So you can't say that this particular person doesn't have influence because they do. And they can sway. They can sway people. And this is why when Jade Bentall got ran offline because she was talking about the Wakandification of blackness um, as it was used in Black is King, people got upset and started dragging her. But her point still remains. You can't use revolutionary language and imagery if you yourself are not planning to be revolutionary. I'm open. I'm open to learning. On either side, on on either side, on either side, I'm open to learning. This is one of them ones where I'm not going to come at you with like, boom, 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 boom. These are my views. I'd love to hear what your views are about this. Should Beyonce be speaking out about what's happening in Palestine at, or at the very least asking for her um for her film to be removed from being aired in Israel maybe by the time this comes out tomorrow she might have already done something so this will be redundant but I'll be very very interested so do comment on YouTube and do comment um you know on Spotify very very interested to know your thoughts on this if you're listening on SoundCloud because I rarely ever big you lot up you can comment there um, as well but I just thought that it would be interesting to share that um, because I just you know I think about what happens when somebody becomes a, a celebrity and I'm not saying that Pastor Toby is a celebrity but I was recently well you know I was just previously talking about um, Landmark Forum and how these men rise to these positions you remember I cussed out when the Dalai Lama was kissing that boy on the lips and people were like oh and he was sticking his tongue out for the boy to suck it I said that this is a problem this is a problem when people assume positions of power within spiritual slash religious structures um and and structures that are meant to be for our betterment um and they abuse it and they abuse people Pastor Toby is out there being invited on certain platforms. Again, black men inviting Pastor Toby onto your platforms, knowing the harm that he's caused because he drives this car and people are going to his birthdays and celebrating with him. I just worry that black people will never be free. I worry. Because all it takes is for somebody to have money. For some reason, you ex- you some of you equate somebody having money and appearing to have a good life materially, being that being an indication of first their intelligence as well as their their goodness and their integrity. 
Meanwhile, they don't have any of this. It's in the gutter. So, woo. This is one of those episodes where there's a lot of deep learning to do. There is a lot of deep, deep learning for us all to do. And again, I keep saying I don't have all of the answers, but I'm asking you to work it out with me. Like, let's work this out together because the math is not mathing. It isn't. Let's work this out together. We've moved point, we've moved beyond the point of like judgment. Like you're this and you're, no, 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 no. Show me you're working out, but I need you to be very, very, very honest with yourself. You can't come on here on a higher mighty thing and be like, oh, I don't need to explain this. Because what I'm learning, and so basically when I was in Nigeria, I went to go and see one of my um, spiritual mentors, one of my um, Ifa priests um, in the village. I had to drive for hours and hours and hours. I just said, I want to go, um, you know, for me, just go and sit down. And imagine I traveled all of those hours and I get there and then we start, um, you know, we start the, um, we start our session essentially, right? And all they have to say to me is that all is well, all is well. You've been doing the work, well done. I was like, well, this could have been sent in an email, but obviously I do other prayers and stuff while I'm, while I'm there as well. And I needed to pick up um, my, my beads because I broke my other beads. So I needed to pick up um, my beads. Um, and only I could touch them So I had to do all of that But then one of the things that they told me Was that Give up the need to be right Because you don't need right where you're going And I knew that that was a conversation about ego Because I'll come here online um, We'll come on to record this podcast And I'll be doing bas boss bas boss To explain why I'm right about something When it's actually like You don't need right where you're going And recently I was tussling with somebody via email and I, I knew the points I was making was right. And even my brother said to me, and I think my mum as well, because when I'm going through it, anything, whatever, whatever part of my life, whether it's professional, personal, romantic, my mum's going to be, I'm going to be sending screenshots and having conversations with her back and forth. People are always surprised by that. Like I talk to my mum about a lot. So anyway, they basically said the same thing to me That just because something is true Doesn't mean that you have to be the one to say it Sometimes let people arrive At their own conclusion And I was like yeah but I needed to Because blah, blah, blah. And they were like yeah You're not in the wrong But sometimes think about How much people's spirits can take At a particular time um, And I think about that now Where While I could Give you my very, very direct view On what is happening with celebrity culture As it then pertains to black celebrities And the structure of billionaires And all of those things It would be futile Because I already know what I think And I don't need to be right in this regard But I, So I want to know what you all think About the situation Would be very, very interested So, um that's that for So You Mad, um, I guess. Straw of the Week, aka Suck Your Mum. I was going to talk about um, very briefly Keir Starmer praising Margaret Thatcher. I think at this point, you, some of you might have arrived at that conclusion much earlier than I did. There's no redemption for Keir Starmer. He's actually a dickhead. He's actually a prick. He's actually, actually disgusting. Um. Th Thatcher who ruined so many people's lives Thatcher 
that bitch. Okay, whatever. And then finally, for show, um, Straw of the Week, aka Suck Your Mum, Nia Cerise and Timothy Bayon. They are, Nia is some kind of, um, they're both prophets and prophetesses in the church or whatever. Anyway, um, she's done some really problematic things over the years. Um, again, white, <laughs> black Christianity relies a lot on white supremacy and it's scary because there are Christians that I know who are actually just like absolute dons who don't move wayward like this, but they are actual black Christians who practice white supremacy and they treat Christianity like white supremacy treated Christianity in, um, in the sense that it's a business. It's a business model. Christianity is one of the most um, lucrative business models one could have. If I packed up what I'm doing today, I think I'd be a sick preacher. I could go and start a church and I'll be raking it in. Why? Because just the same way that the Landmark Forum, just the same way that Pastor Toby um, and all of these people, all of these um, quote unquote gurus that have like private jets and all of that, they are feeding off the need for people to gain answers. They are feeding off the the need for people to find some kind of belonging. And that's sad. That's sad. All of the people that go down and go off um, using Christianity as a business model make a lot of money from it. But the that but that can only work because of white supremacy. Um, all of your favorite millionaire pastors. I dislike them all. I dislike every single one of them without res- without reservation. I do. That's not to say that sometimes they don't have bars. That's not to say that they don't say something that sometimes hits. But I'm like, for you to be comfortable being a bi- being a millionaire right now while your congregation are going through it and every time you're encouraging them to spend more and more and more, you're a raggedy bitch. You're a raggedy bitch. Anyway, these two um, recently, well, they got engaged and they're now working towards them. They're getting close to their wedding date, um, which is going to be streamed, actually. But the only way that you're going to be able to see the stream is if you sign up for this course that they're offering. Remembering that they're engaged. They're not married yet. They're engaged. They are not married yet. They're doing a masterclass. Um, It's a masterclass for, it's called the Kingdom Relationships Masterclass. Singles, um, Early bird price is £350. Late price is £500. Couples, early bird is £299. So you get charged less if you're in a couple, therefore telling you that your life is raggedy because ain't no man wants you. Late is £650. Okay, so they're charging you more if you're a couple and you sign up late. Um, With Prophet Timothy and Prophet Nia Cerise. And how do you not even give your ti- give yourselves the title of prophets? What have you seen? You, you're prophet, 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 but you didn't see that this was a fucking ridiculous idea. Not even ridiculous in the sense that it's not going to sell because sadly, people are going to sign up to this seminar. They're going to sign up to learn how to have a relationship, how to get a husband, how to get a wife, more so how to get a husband because guys in the church don't really worry in that same way. Guys in the church are some of the most vile beings because they'll absolutely still go around and fuck around and then be saying, God, 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 but they're still messing people around. Um, 
But it's the women that find themselves in a very conflicting thing because they'll be signing up for these um, courses, hoping that something changes them. And then the thing is, you're going to learn how to be a good wife, but nobody's spending time teaching these people how to be good husbands. And then you're focused. And then my problem with that is you've all learned how to go and be good wives and good husbands, but nobody's worrying about being a good person. But beyond your roles of wifedom and husbanddom, you have, you're, you're not concerned about being a good person person that's scary anyway they're doing this masterclass because they're profits um i don't know how you all appoint yourselves to these situations um it says here the curriculum um, this is a comprehensive, life-changing and impactful course that will break off generational curses of divorce you're not yet married you can't this course will build up your biblical understanding of marriage. You will discover the keys to building a firm foundation grounded in biblical principles. This is not just a masterclass. This is a roadmap to a God-centered, harmonious, lasting marriage. You are not yet married. You can't. Enroll now to experience profound and impactful godly wisdom that will not only shape your life and your marriage, but will also shape your legacy. Let me tell you what they've done. And which is why they're so smart. They're getting you fucking idiots to pay for their wedding. They're getting you to pay for their wedding. Because if the price um, for one entry is £350 or £300, and then let's say 100 people come, you lot have paid for the wedding. So it's not them who's stupid. It's you that's signing up to go. And recently when I was in... Um, uh, Lagos and I found that place to record my pub, uh, my podcast in the same compound they were having a big big seminar of how to get your husband in the new year or something and I saw it and I said wow wow imagine forking out money to, to take part in a convention for them to teach you something that essentially is a luck of the draw and is it even luck because ideally then the person that you're ending up with is expecting you to be a particular way. Ah, uh, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. Um, it says here, um, one, how will I know when I found the one? And what does the Bible say about this? How can I prepare for entering into a relationship? How can I conduct myself as a godly woman slash man? Marriage, what is it? And what does the Bible say about it? How can I communicate the um, effectively and resolve conflict in a relationship? Fair enough. How can I break soul ties and heal from previous relationships slash, slash trauma? What does intimacy look like as a couple, premarital stage and marriage stage? You don't know because you're not married yet, cunts. Is it necessary to save yourself for marriage? How can finances be navigated as a couple? Q&A, final session. This is your uh, opportunity to ask relationship questions anonymously or directly. Um, exclusive bonuses that you get You get a full live stream of the wedding Via an e-invitation And you get a three day A relationship devotional Oh 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 The same way I said to you Don't sign up for that landmark forum Please don't sign up for this seminar Please don't It's really sad Please don't It's ridiculous And also They are not qualified To talk to you about Half of the things in that curriculum Which one of them is a money money management um, person Which one of them is a therapist That can talk to you about trauma and all that Why 
unless they're bringing somebody in to talk about each section, like they've got an expert, a qualified expert to talk about each section, it just sounds very off to me. It really does. And again, they can build on this because of how single women are vilified in society. Like, it's the worst thing in Christianity to be an unmarried woman. Worst thing in any Abrahamic religion, but just in the society as a whole, it's the worst thing. But it's not, they make it out as if it's the worst thing for a woman when actually we find that women live longer when they're not in long-term relationships. But men live longer when they are in long-term relationships. So somebody is draining somebody else's life force. So of course, in a patriarchal society, it would be um, taught. It would it would be taught to us that it is the done thing and the necessary thing to marry because it benefits the patriarch. It benefits the man. I'm not saying that union isn't important. I'm saying that it is really important to reconfigure. Firstly, interrogate your views around marriage and partnership, and to reconfigure what you are ex- what you are expecting. Because for me, when I was just like, nah, no, no, things need to be different for me. I was like, yeah, we can call, we can call this, call this and we can find a different way to interact with each other that's of benefit to our son. But I am growing beyond this point in my understanding of everything. Some people can grow and remain in their relationship because they're growing together. Or sometimes even when they're not growing together, they just choose that they want to stay. That's perf- that's okay. You could do that. But the way that single women are vilified in society is so wild. Oh, there's this seductress that's going to take your man from you. First of all, your man is the one sending the DMs. Your man is the one chasing them down. Bear this in mind. Don't And also why you don't need to sign up for this seminar Even if you were going to sign up for maybe another one Maybe you might show me another one And you'd be like, oh, you know, this couple looks First of all, you don't see half the things that happen with these couples So kind of like, watch yourself Watch yourself Also, the picture that they posted This couple, the picture that they posted and I'm only saying this because she is a very problematic person on her own on any other day. From any time I've seen her kind of flash across my timeline, she's doing something wayward in the name of Christianity. Um, but what I have an issue with is that they posted their pre-wedding photos, like their whatever the, whatever you want to call them. I think they call them pre-wedding photos. And the, his trouser length was really worrying to me because of course there are trousers that you wear and they're three-quarter length but it's the way that his three-quarter length trousers sits and then that the fact that he paired it with a sock because if you're going to wear the three-quarter or you're going to wear the ankle length trousers then the whole point is that we see the ankle but first of all it looks like your ankle trousers have a little bit of a flare maybe Jonathan can zoom in on that over here somewhere um but it has a little bit of a flare and um then you've paired it with a sock and so it's giving terrorists like that trouser sock shoe combination already tells me that we are in the valley of the shadow of, 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 of very, very wayward things. And I want no parts. I want no parts. And you who's you're planning to be a good wife. You saw that that's what he wanted to wear in terms of a trouser and a sock and a shoe. And then you took the photograph. 
your profiteering, your profitessing, all of that didn't see that this, this, this was an abomination. Oh, baby. Jesus of the ankle length trousers. Oh, I've said enough. I've said enough. So I say all of that to say that anybody that's profiting off the vulnerability of other people, um, suck out, suck out. Because there are so many people out there who are searching for answers, who are looking to stop the pain or put a balm on the pain that so many of us feel deeply in our hearts. And you people are making money off it by giving them very, very shambolic things, very flimsy things to build a new life on. And the thing is why I hate that is because that life too is going to crumble because they haven't been given a sturdy foundation because you were not the person that could provide the sturdy foundation. You were not. So to anybody who's taken advantage of the fact that people are out here trying to figure life out and they're making money off it and having those people believe that repressing their emotions or pretending to be a good woman, a good man or whatever the case may be, like limiting them um, in the um, expression of their full divinity all for the sake of white supremacy, that you're doing this to them, it will never, ever be well with you. And for those who are still on the path of exploring and learning the same as me, I have every faith and hope that you'll find what it is that you're looking for. But remember that usually what you're looking for is already you. It's already within you. It's already you. So let us all go in peace. My peace I give you and all of them things that they like to say in Catholic church, but I shouldn't really refer to them because they like to rape children. But um, that's that. I've, this has been the longest fucking episode and I hope that you appreciate it because I gave you all of me. All of me loves all of you. Love your curves and all your edges and all your perfect imperfections. Big tune. Although, no, let me not start on Chrissy. Um, that's it. It's been real. I love so many of you so, so much. We're figuring this out together. Life can feel messy, but in the mess, there is beauty. Remember to chop wood, carry water. We'll figure something out. We'll figure it out. Free Palestine. Stop the genocide in Congo. Stop the genocide everywhere. Um, we need to get rid of the political class because they're not serving us. Um, we don't have to choose between the lesser of two evils. Nobody's coming to save us. We have the responsibility to save ourselves. I've been Kalechi Okafor and this has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, Suck Your Mum. Thank you to Savannah Leaf for speaking to me about Earth Mama. Big up yourself, Sally Manners. Um, big up baby girl that wrote in and big up me and big up Kamara Chisworo Anyi. Yeah, may God's grace be sufficient unto us all. All right, catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Punani woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sippy, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long truths. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.